Hey everybody, Hannah here. Before we get into the episode proper, I wanted to preface it with a couple important messages. First, some content warnings. Most of our previous episodes have featured like mostly positive dynamics between our characters, but this time we're very deliberately leaning into our characters, doing awful things to each other, and experiencing awful things in turn. So this episode has content warnings for toxic relationships, dubious consent, and detransition. Second, to follow up on that last warning, uh, my character in this episode isn't really in a place to work out a stable, long-term gender identity, so the pronouns I'll be using typically correspond to the pronouns that character would have used at that point in time. I just want to assure everyone, basically, that neither I nor Olivia are misgendering the character or otherwise being cavalier with pronouns. And last but not least, this episode is dedicated to Isabel Fall. You still deserve the world. Welcome to Do Not Steal, a podcast about tabletop criticism and, more importantly, our OCs. Why are you pushing me? Because we're in the same physical space right now and I can do what I want. Stop pushing me. <laughs> You're gonna fuck up the recording. I don't care. Uh, I'm Olivia Joseph and pushing me is... Who are you? Uh, pushing you is Hannah. Hannah Yola. Um, and I'm gonna keep pushing you throughout this entire podcast. Um... And astute viewers will be able to, like, put together the context clues of when I am and am not pushing Olivia. Largely based on her being like, hey, stop pushing. This is really annoying. (laughs) Welcome to the final episode of Do Not Steal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you really fucked up by moving in with me. This sucks. I hate this. (laughs) Much like a certain vampire, I'm already regretting my life choices. Oh my god. (laughs) Um, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, this month, we decided, um, that we've been too nice lately. Yeah. And we decided to get mean. Uh Uh-huh. And rude. Yes. And toxic. And sexual. And sexual. Yeah. Um, specifically, like, after episode seven, Shadow of the Demon Lord, where we took, like, this really dark, edgy, apocalyptic game, and we're like, what if we just make, like, a shonen anime featuring two sweethearts? Um, what if we just do Full Metal Alchemist? That's a spoiler for that episode. If you listen to it again, the characters are just uh, Ed and Al Elric, but we didn't do that on purpose. What we did do on purpose this time is uh, make characters that are very much the opposite vibe in that they hate each other and cause a lot of problems and are generally rotten. Yeah. Yeah. And what game did we pick in order to facilitate characters who suck ass and do nothing? Well, it's a little game called Vampire the Requiem, um, published by Onyx Path Publishing, which is like the the new World of Darkness, Chronicles of Darkness, offshoot of White Wolf. Um, White Wolf being like, you know, the legendary 90s gaming company that made like Vampire the Masquerade. Um, Masquerade? Masquerade? 
Um, and all these other, like, you know, 90s World of Darkness games. Uh, that game line ended, has since been, like, I think rebooted uh, by people who are, like, fans of the older school stuff. But we now have this new setting called The Chronicles of Darkness, which includes uh, Vampire the Requiem, Mage the Awakening, Hunter the Vigil, Werewolf the Forsaken, and a whole lot of other things like that. It's like modern urban fantasy with a bunch of spooky monsters running around and like canonically there is like a write-up in some book about like every major city in at least america that says like oh yeah vampires own this one mages own this one werewolves own this one um but yeah it's it's pretty popular obviously it's probably one of the biggest name ones that we've covered yet it's way older than I thought it was. How old do you think it was? I don't know. I had this idea in my head of, like, this stuff can't be older than, like... Especially because it was only second edition. I, I remember thinking, like, well, it can't be older than, like, five years or so. But yeah. It, it, it is? I forget exactly how old it is. So it says here copyright 2014. Um, but I don't know exactly when this whole like reboot thing happened because like you know the the original line like we said is like super associated with the 90s um but I, yeah it looks like the very original chronicles of darkness stuff was developed in 2004 which is so long ago so long ago um and there's been a lot of like kind of re like tweaks throughout um that period from like 2004 to present day um i know that like a lot of these books say that like oh um i think demon the something was like the the one that was kind of the demarcation of the second edition and then they released like a second edition werewolf thing that like kind of incorporated the the rules updates from demon Mm -hmm. um so it's like a lot of times they'll tell you like oh look at the Chronicles of Darkness core book or the God Machine Chronicle, which is like the demon book. Um, but it, yeah, it's 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 definitely built up on its own right now. Um, there's a million of these game lines, so uh, depending on how we feel, we might visit one of those other ones at some point. Um, probably not for a little while. Yeah, I think if we did that, it would be primarily primarily an OC focused uh, decision. There's only so much that you can say about like different forks of this mm-hmm. um i i think probably like the one that is kind of in the same mechanical vein that we could have an interesting mechanical discussion about that separate to this would be exalted third edition and i know that um former uh do not steal guest ben is like obsessed with us doing that so uh eventually if i if i want to like cash in and be nice to him then uh i'm, I'm probably going to recommend that like, I know that that one's way more kind of, like, crunchy and based on, like, chaining powers together and, like, elaborate skill trees. Whereas this is, like, you know, we're going to get into the actual, like, kind of meat of the system soon. But it's it, it's kind of like Eclipse Phase in that it's, like, very freeform point by that results in just, like, not too tactically complicated endpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's better than Eclipse Phase at, like, that general vibe. Um, but it's, it's the same kind of thing where there's like an immense amount of complexity in character creation and progression because it's so freeform, but it's not exactly the sort of thing where it's like, 
you have six like you know equally interesting tactical options in front of you at a given time your character is probably going to like have a pretty set play pattern yeah i would say like the because we talked you know also when ben was on we talked about kind of like your your preference is for games that are either very stripped down and the mechanics are kind of abstract or Mm -hmm. games that are just like here's a combat system it's 200 pages yeah uh let's fucking go and this one is definitely the 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 former it's like here's the here is uh you know here are your here are your character parts here's a really simple formula to determine or like here's a really simple schema for figuring out what kind of die what kind of dice you're rolling every time you want to do something and just go buck wild yeah go do it get out there absolutely um, it's, it's definitely the sort of game that, like, I think I might have mentioned this on the Ben episode that, um, when I talk about preferring the, those things on those two ends of the equation, the middle thing that I always feel, like, really trepidatious of is a system that has, like, a put-together combat system that takes more than a few rolls to accomplish, but that also tells you it's fine to make a non-combat character. Um... You know, like, if, if you have these, like, large-scale dedicated systems that can really hog the limelight and cause a scene to go on for a good while, not because of a, its narrative premise, but because, like, the mechanics just mean that you have to roll a bunch of times to resolve certain things, mm-hmm. um, then I'm always super suspicious of that unless it's, like, inherently a game where it's about squad-based combat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for all we talk shit about Lancer, um, that's a game that's like really good at just saying that like you guys are four to five mech pilots and everything else is kind of like secondary and half-assed. Mm-hmm. And so you better have like a, a cool mech. Um, and then it gives you the tools to make a cool mech. Mm-hmm. This game, on the other hand, gives you a bunch of options to have like these, not necessarily like, again, they're not like super tactically intricate combats. But they're combats that can go on for a while, especially because vampires seem to have a lot of ways to, like, shield and regenerate themselves. And I'm just imagining, like, this poor non-combat character in that mix who's just like, all right, I'm going to sit here for half an hour and wait until it's my turn to do something again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I Because I had, going through it, I was kind of like, okay, so combats are just going to be, like, here is like some roles that you do to deal damage and if you deal enough damage to a guy he's he's dead yeah and i get there and it actually is more complicated than that there's like three different types of damage and then kind of the whole the whole thing of vampires is that there's an entire um kind of damage that is just kid shit to you yeah like Vampires don't care about bashing damage. No, they can regenerate it super easy by just kind of, like, spending one of their, um... God, I say Vitae. I believe it's supposed to be Vitae. Um, or Vitae, even. But, like, I just say Vitae because that's, like, what makes the most sense as a Latin kid. Um, but, yeah, that's, like, basically, like, your blood resource. And if you just spend a little itty bit of that, that you can just shrug off most wounds that are in the bashing category which includes stuff like gunshots for vampires yeah there's a thing where it's like there's a very i don't know weeby isn't the right word but i feel like there are similar attitudes 
rooted in being a weeaboo, which is like guns. That's that's childish. I don't want yeah. that. Now, if a guy has a katana, that's fucking sick. And yeah, this for is sure. this is codified into the the like thing that I understand about World of Darkness, where like previously my most my most exposure to it was like the old the old um Vampire the Masquerade game. Um uh like the uh, Bloodlines computer. Or game? like video game, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. The one that was on source. So like one of the things I've just internalized from that is like Guns are the normal people killing weapon, and then you have to get some kind of knife or sword or axe or something mm-hmm. if you want to do anything to, like, a supernatural creature. And as if to prove your point, if I recall, like, the best melee weapon in that game is a katana. Yes, I, I do believe you have to... <laughs> you There is a whole... Not only is the best melee weapon in that game a katana, but also you have to go through, like, this a whole bunch of shit with, like, the girl that you can turn into a ghoul, and, like, she'll give you a katana if you do everything right. <laughs> so, like, a girl... I, I love to show devotion to my <laughs> vampire master by gifting her a katana. Well, I think it's, like... It's something, like, you have to make her a ghoul and then, like, release her from your service before she gets fucking murdered. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you have to get her murdered and you'll get the katana later. It's, like, something. It's yeah. something that I... As like uh as like a person who can't be mean to video game characters is like, well I'm never getting the fucking katana. Yeah. <laughs> obviously. Um Yeah, I, I think that like like we've said, it's it's not as if like you're doing like grid banked tactical combat with this, but something that did seem to like jump out to me again and again as I was like reviewing power lists um of, of like various types of vampires is that the fundamental, like, I guess, contest of who's better in a fight seems to boil down to, like, um, well, I have these things that let me do ag- aggravated damage, which are, like, the worst kind of damage, um, the, the most, like, fatal and hard-to-heal kind of damage. Mm-hmm. And then the other person says, oh, yeah, well, I have these things that let me, you know, uh, resist or downgrade these many points of aggravated damage. And then the first person says, oh, yeah, well... I have a power that says that I can ignore this many points of a person resisting my aggravated damage. And it's it's all based on kind of just, like, do you have a bigger stack of powers that, like, nullifies things than the other person? Um, uh-huh. The playground rules. Yeah, yeah. Of- it's, it's, it's playground rules. And, like, I think that, like, kind of on a narrative level, I like that. Because it does really kind of give you this impression of, like these assholes who have just spent hundreds of years trying to like build a bigger gun on each other mm-hmm. um, and be like, ah, but if he has powers that can cancel out my ignoring of his canceling of my aggravated damage, then I'll need a power to cancel that. And that's absolutely the right mindset for these types of vampires. Also, it's all kind of moot if you can just get a dude in the sun. Yeah. Well, mm- that you say that, mm. but there are also powers that let you not really be hurt by being in the sun. I think that's bullshit to me. <laughs> I think okay. if you're, I think if you're a vampire and you get in the sun, you should fucking die. Can we take a quick break so that I can make another character? Then <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we cannot. Um, so I want to explain the like the basics of like the dice rolling system, right? Which yeah, is go like for it. any character has a set of attributes and a set of skills. And uh, this is, I think, pretty intuitive if you've played most tabletop games, where it's like yeah. attributes are like your, your kind of like 
inborn quality, like your inborn <coughs> general qualities. Um, and so they, you know, they and they cost, they're more expensive to buy mm-hmm. and they're kind of free floating. Whereas your skills are specific, like learned things. So, you know, one of your attributes is like strength, which is yeah. how physically strong you are. And then one of your physical skills is brawl, right? So you can see the difference between, like, strength is a more, like, general, inherent thing. It it applies to a whole bunch of different situations. Whereas the skill brawl, that's pretty limited. Yeah. And any action is made up by rolling, is, like, decided by rolling a pool of, of d10s which is created by a combination of one relevant attribute, one relevant skill, and then sometimes there's some bonuses here or there. You know? Yeah, it's usually like if there are other bonuses, then they're often phrased as like, you know, you get an effective plus two to strength rolls that govern this. Uh, my, my vampire has uh, a dot in the vigor discipline, which adds, and its effect is to add... Um, her dots in vigor to any strength roll that she makes. Yeah. And that just happens. So, For sure. So she she will just get like a bonus anytime she rolls her strength. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a matter of like you playing the game, like role playing things that you're, you know. Yeah. If you want to like kind of power game the system, it's trying to like role play things such that the way you solve problems is related to your strongest attributes and your strongest skills. Yeah, I've I've played in games in the Chronicles of Darkness system before, not Vampire, but I've played Werewolf and Mage. And like what what Olivia is saying about like the way that these roles end up working out is accurate. Um it's basically like very simple once you've done like the back end bookkeeping. But it'll be just like almost every role you make has like a different pool to it. So if it's just like, okay, well, I, I want to know what my basic role for, like, taking a swing at someone is. So you just say, that, like, okay, well, I have this many strength dots, I have this many brawl dots, I have this brawl specialty in, you know, Muay Thai or something like that. And then I have um, this vigor discipline, and you just write down that total to, like, my pool is 11 or something like that. Um, and then from there, it's very simple, because you just roll... 11 10-sided dice and then everything that's an eight or higher counts as a success mm-hmm. and if it's a zero slash 10 then you get to re-roll that dice and add any additional successes um so it's it's a pretty simple system um you know number of successes can sometimes just be kind of like binary yes no you succeed um it can sometimes lead to exceptional successes which can give you, you know, additional benefits, um, either just, like, doing it super well or, like, getting some special resource back. Um, Or for, like, combat things, it can be, like, okay, well, three successes means that you do three damage or things like that, right? Mm -hmm. I've never been hot on on that, like... I've never been hot on the way that these systems handle successes. I feel Mm -hmm. like it is... I feel like it does lead to a lot of binary things, which, you know, we have rightly criticized games that do that, that are just yeah. like, well, you rolled it, you made a success, or you did it, or like, or you didn't, so eat shit. And those are never, they're never my favorite. And I feel like the 
the fact that you're like rolling you know you're you often are rolling multiple successes especially if you're like really rolling your strongest attributes mm-hmm. and i feel like they're i feel like these kind these systems could really use some some kind of codified way of being like you know handling multiple successes yeah uh versus just kind of being like well you figure it out i feel like it just kind of dumps it on the the storyteller or whatever. To... I, yeah, I, I think like a good example of this recently was um, we were both listening to the Hollow Live English um, game of like Hunter the Vigil that's happening right now. That's also why we did this because we were talking about Hollow yeah, Live. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, Olivia is is a huge VTuber fan. Um, I'm a little less so, but you like, always, you always... I gladly accept whenever she's like, hey, hey. You want to, like, look at videos of VTubers on my phone for half an hour? I'm like, hell yeah, I do. Except you always talk about it in vaguely, like, every time you talk about my interest in VTubers, I always feel a little defensive. (laughs) You just have such a talent for being like, that's that girl you like. And then I have to be like, (laughs) I get this instinct of being like, well, she's likable. All I say is the truth. It is always, in fact, that girl you like. Um... But yeah, two of those girls you like were playing, you know, or I think it's, yeah, it's a total of five of them, but like two of them in the, the video that I was watching were playing Hunter to Vigil, and um, the game master was just like constantly like visibly struggling to understand what to do with like roles of one success versus two success versus four success. Because mm-hmm. like, technically those are all identical mechanically, right? It's just if you get five or sometimes a threshold is different if you have special corner cases but almost always it's five successes becomes an exceptional success but it feels so like intuitively weird to uh adjudicate four successes the same way you adjudicate one success so she was just like kind of on the fly trying to like figure out like well how do i judge it when you know the character rolls one of these versus the other and that's not really her fault right because it is like we've said very odd that the system just kind of tells you to figure that out yeah the like the thing is like when i think about dice pools like the reason you want a dice pool system in your game is to roll a bunch of dice get a bunch of successes and be like yeah i'm a god it feels great to roll like three successes and then it feels bad when it's like well you could have rolled one yeah for sure i a comparison that i'm thinking about is i don't know if you're listening to the latest friends at the table season Oh my god, are you really going to blow me up like this? Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. This is revenge for (laughs) me saying that you like VTubers. Dear listener, I'm pushing her right now. Oh my god, I'm under attack from all sides. Um, No, I I started listening to it and I fell off just because I can only listen to like two podcasts at once, basically. Fair. Um, uh, So, but yeah, there's like, so they're playing Heart and... Heart is a game with a dice pool system, mm-hmm. uh, but there is a much more like there's a much more kind of like granular like spectrum of results from the dice. So you can be like really bad failure, failure, you know, success at a cost, and then like super success. So yeah. the reason you want more dice is so you have a higher chance of rolling the super success and just getting what you want without you know and not taking any uh, cost for it. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's why you want a lot of dice, and it feels good when you're like, do-do-do, failure, 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 oh, success, there you go, super success, I'm great, I'm a god. 
And World of Darkness kind of like works against that that feeling, you know, um, which which is weird. It always makes playing it a little weird. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, and I think that like that two thousand four date of the initial design is like really telling because mm-hmm. like it does predate all of these like you know partial success systems that we talk about on this podcast. It predates like Powered by the Apocalypse stuff even, mm-hmm. um, and like the game obviously has changed in like the second edition of Chronicles of Darkness and it changed in the first edition of Chronicles of Darkness from the original World of Darkness mm-hmm. but it's still fundamentally like a direct lineage with that 90s set of design um I think it's very like generative and influential on these systems that we now ultimately like mm-hmm. um but it's it's still kind of like caught in that mindset where like it understands stats as these things that like really matter in these arbitrary but also like formative ways as opposed to just like we're gonna give you as few numbers as possible let that stuff get out of your way and then just let the the cool narrative stuff take center stage mm-hmm. yeah it's reading this book it's a bit like it's a bit like going back to like an old Mario game and being like, oh, the camera on this sucks ass. And knowing that that's, <laughs> and knowing that that's going to annoy people, yeah. who you know, who are like real, real, like into this stuff. But you're like, I'm not enjoying myself with this damn camera. And I gotta, I gotta speak it. Yeah. Even if I get in trouble. I uh, respect you for going there. And uh, I know that you're going to get yelled at for that, so... I'm going to... I know who's going to yell at me. No, thank you for taking the heat <laughs> off of me, because I was worried that I was going to get yelled at for a thing I'm not listening to the current season of Friends at the Table, but, like... We're just, just getting in the... We're just getting in the in the mood of the game. We're making mistakes. Yeah. Um, we're being messy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the... This is the um, creed of both Chronicles of Darkness and the Magic School Bus. <laughs> 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 I when I said get messy, I was like, hold on, that's what Miss Frizzle says. Okay, yeah. Now in the book, in the book, there's an illustration of a character who you, um, who you derogatorily called vampire sex Marcy. Um, I think that we both called her that. In you, a sense. you, you, the you called her that first. Who called her Marcy from Peanuts first? Yeah, but I didn't say vampire sex Marcy, which I think is important anyway. I say all this to say vampire sex, Miss Frizzle. Yeah, she's right there. She's right there on oh, the screen. Oh, yeah, my bad. Uh, vampire sex Marcy is on both of our screens right <laughs> now. Uh, just imagining, like, putting them up to each other with the webcams like it's a, a hall of mirrors. <laughs> and we get infinite refractions of vampire sex Marcy. Do vampires have reflections in this? Um, it, yes, but it's complicated. It's, like, the way that it's described is that, like, it's not that they just don't show up in mirrors at all, is that you'll never see them. Um, it's basically, like, they have these kind of, like, predator senses that allow them to never be, um, like, captured in ways that they don't want to. So it's not, again, that, like, they will literally never show up in a photograph. It's that, like, if you are trying to look for one in surveillance footage, it'll never work because they will always be, like, you know blurred or just on the edge of it or something that like allows them to escape that type of detection Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about like this game's like portrayal of vampires at all is there anything in there that interests Um, you yes there's a couple things in there that really interest me but i do want to kind of stick with the mechanical aspect of it very quickly Mm -hmm. 
Um, and talk about, like, we've mentioned before that, like, this is a freeform point-by character creation deal. Mm-hmm. Um, they tell you, like, at the start, you know, assign this many points to attributes, this many to skills, this many to disciplines, which are kind of like your clan-based vampire powers, um, and this many to merits. Um, Can I say? Yeah. Another thing that is like a holdover from the video game is I can't hear the phrase vampire power without thinking of a specific character from the video game who has this little vampire blood. And that gives me a bit of vampire power. Yes, I'm constantly... now I'm a ghoul. Watch out. I keep thinking of fucking Nox and his little Dracula jacket and the way he goes, vampire power. (laughs) love... Yeah, there's a lot of memorable stuff in that game. Yeah. Oh, uh... Um... What's her fucking name? Damsel is in is in this book. Oh yeah, yeah they wrote I them. thought that might be her. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. In the in the Carthian movement, which is like the vampire. So in addition to having a clan, which is like your vampire bloodline, you have mm-hmm. like a covenant, which is kind of like a vampire social club. Yeah, <laughs> and the Carthian movement is like uncharitably you could call them the fake leftists. Yeah, but, um, but they're like. <laughs> They're mutually. <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's again let's let's talk about character creation a little bit, but I do want to talk about the those covenants. Yeah. Um. So no mention of mutual aid in this book. I just checked. Pretty cool. However, there is a description of mutual aid later, but not using the term. If you go to like the section of the book that will tell you all about like the different. Um, different cities around the world Mm -hmm. there is a city in which the vampires are doing mutual aid with each other but it is not called mutual aid god so i don't know where that rates on our mutual aid scale of tabletop games but i just thought it it was important to to note it down amazing um character creation yes let's talk about it very free form and um i think that like something yeah, so, so when you're actually creating a character, it gives you, like, certain, you know, guidelines on spend this many points on this, this many points on this, etc. But after you've made the character and it starts getting to, like, character progression, um, which we both did, we decided to, like, give our characters more experience than, like, you would do as a completely fresh vampire. Because mm-hmm. um, you want to make these, like, characters that have, like, a rich history. Um, but once you get there, it's pretty much just, like, all up to you, and it can feel really overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. Something that, um, you might remember me talking about when we did Eclipse Phase is that, like, I made a beeline for the merit section and was really disappointed and disgusted, um, by, like, oh, these are all just, like, you get a 5% bonus to this type of role, and that's all they do. Um, the merit section here is unbelievably packed. And a lot of it feels redundant, and I love it in a sense because there's so many cool options, but I also hate it because there are way too many cool options, and I don't know which of them are redundant with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, if you want to make a vampire that is some type of, like, you know, uh, minor cult celebrity, right? Where it's like, oh, you, you people don't necessarily know that this person is a vampire, but they know that he's, like, this figure in like the the nightlife or the underworld or you know like the entertainment or business community then it's like well okay you should probably give him fame you should give him status in a thing that 
you know, uh, relates to his, his community. You should give him resources. You should give him, you know, probably herd based on people that he can feed from that are influenced by his fame. And there's just so many things where it's like you scroll through it and you're like, oh, if I want to represent this character concept uh, the way that I see it at all, I have to spend pretty much like my entire experience budget here. Or I have to change my character concept, not necessarily in like fundamental ways, but I have to like kind of tweak it and think about like cutting back on things that I don't necessarily want mechanically, but that feel like, you know, if your character has any type of like fame to them, then you have to spend at least one dot on the fame merit. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a lot of these other systems that like, you know, where we're talking about for like more recent ones, like Forge in the Dark systems or Resistance systems, it's like, if your character is famous, then you maybe have a playbook move that does that for you, or you just give yourself two dots in a social type skill, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this just feels at so many points, like it's like, oh, again, I'm going to have to tweak how I think of my character if I don't want to just like dump all my experience on things that like would have to be there with my current like narrative conception of this character not even mechanical conception but just narrative conception yeah and like you said like some things are redundant to each other so like fame status resources like yeah the idea of a herd you know like all of that can like i think there's a degree to which it's kind of debatable like what combination or like or even just, like, one choice of things you mm-hmm. could have in order to narratively represent this this concept. And yeah. I think that is cool, but, you know, and, definitely uh, a- ambiguous. Um, and, like, I, I talked to a friend of mine, uh, James, uh, shout out to James, who's, like, really, um, like, well-versed in this system and was able to kind of, like, walk me through it and explain that, like, oh, well, you don't actually need resources unless it's, like, your own activities that are generating these resources. And it could be a situation where it's like, well, if your character has this level of like connection and indebtedness from other people, then you could say that like, well, yeah, I can still have a good apartment, but it's an apartment that like someone is letting me stay in, right? Or like, it can still be a nice apartment and it doesn't need to have dots in Haven or safe place if it just, like, isn't particularly, like, fortified against vampire weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that was all super helpful, and it did really help me kind of, like, cut away these redundancies. But I also know that if I didn't have someone who is, like, well-versed in this and was just kind of, like, looking at it from first blush, I would have never gotten there on my own. And I would have just been like, what the fuck? Why do I have to spend 30 experience points just to have a house? Yeah, I I came to a similar conclusion, but just by necessity. Yeah. Like, okay, if my character is going to have any kind of like flavor to her as an agent in this world, I'm going to need to like not worry too much about certain like practical things that you know. In the book, it says like vampires need this stuff. Like vampires need sources of blood, safe havens, yeah. like social contacts that will like help them achieve things. You know. Um, and there's kind of a tension between that, the way those things can be, can be, don't have to be, but can be represented in the mechanics, and then your really tight point budget, because I never, partially because of the openness, I never feel like I have enough points, you know? 
And of course, these like merits that we're talking about come from the exact same like experience pool as like, oh, I can turn into a giant Batman and just like rip you to shreds. Mm. They come from the same experience pool as like, I can dominate you and like, you know, um, mind control you and oh, Olivia is, is doing the sexual eyes right now. I'm not, don't say that! <laughs> what, how would you describe what you were doing? Um, the DreamWorks face. Okay, yeah, the sexual DreamWorks face from Olivia. <laughs> I love how this is our most hostile episode. Uh, quit. That's, that's gonna show up, that showed up on the mic. Yeah, because I was pushing you up? Yeah. Yeah, the people I don't know. Um, anyway, but yes, but like, yeah, it is. it's, it's all, all the, and, and I think that that like, again, when I talk about this being a system where combat exists and is its own discrete system, but you can also opt out of it completely. Um, there's no real guidelines on like, oh, hey, make sure to dedicate at least this many experience to combat stuff or else you'll kind of like fall behind the scaling. So you can have characters that are just like completely unbelievable combat beasts that are like we have five dots in vigor and five dots in celerity so we're just like matrix running around everywhere and like punching through someone's heart with one punch mm. um combined with like at, at the same level of experience as someone who's like well i've got a nice apartment i've got a lot of friends people generally like me um and yeah it's it just feels so weird um and i know that like what we're talking about here is just the nature of a freeform system um, that doesn't like have discrete character levels where you're all assumed to be getting X amount better at combat every time. But it does kind of like lay bare just how much these systems rely on like good faith from everyone involved to not just like tell the characters who haven't specced into combat at all that like, all right, it's time for you to now be put into the exact same combat situation as the guy with, you know, five vigor and five celerity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, like, it definitely it definitely leans towards, like, well, this is a possible problem in our design, but the players fi- will figure it out, you know? Yeah, um, and I've, you know, from, from seeing previous uh, Chronicles of Darkness games, like, I know that it can be worked out, but I also know that, like, I was playing in those games with, like, long-time players that I have, like, a good kind of, like, feel for the game with and a lot of, like, connection with. And if I didn't have that, then how much would I feel alienated if it went wrong once? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's about all I got to say about the mechanics. So um, if we want to talk about, like, the, the fiction here and, like, what we mean when we say vampire... Um, I think that this would be a good time for that. All right, yeah. Let's let's go. Well, because like you know, it's literally called Vampire the Requiem. So I wanted yeah. to get like, what's this portrayal of vampires? How are we feeling about it? Like, you know, what's the vibe? Yeah, I think you said a really interesting. I think you said a when we were like going over it. You said a thing I've been thinking about a lot, which is like in the Chronicles of Darkness, every type of like supernatural being or creature has some kind of like role in the cosmology that is mm-hmm. if not good necessary yeah except for vampires who exist to <laughs> suck ass and like do yeah. nothing 
Yeah, like the, the the sort of obvious example is that like you know werewolves are scary and you know they'll like jump out of an alley and bite you to death, but they're also like necessary for like keeping balance with the spirit world and making sure that like things don't get completely overrun by bad spirit shit. Um, vampires have nothing like that. Um, they they don't have like any um, like major world threatening villain that they're running up against that isn't like their own fault yeah yeah the major (laughs) villain in the vampire setting and i which we should definitely talk about the strix yeah um but they are like their main concern is killing all of the vampires in the world yeah it's it's very like you brought that on yourselves yeah and it's it's like well it's 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 not as if like if the strix got their way then everything would be dandy like Mm -hmm. they're implied to be like awful to everyone else as well but Mm -hmm. like in ways that seem pretty indistinguishable from how vampires are awful to everyone yeah, else. Yeah, no, it, it, it makes it pretty clear the Strix and the vampires are, like, one of a kind, base, Or, like, they're two yeah, of a kind. Yeah, like. for sure. Um, but yeah, like, I I really like this, this vibe of vampires, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. Um, mm-hmm. I like that they suck ass. I like that they kind of have this, like, nobody's from Kingdom Hearts vibe, where it's it's said that, like, you know they don't feel emotions the way humans do and they might have like memories of emotions but they can't like authentically express those themselves but then it's also really really loose and vague what that means and it's like kind of left up to you to interpret that so like you know the classic organization 13 kingdom hearts thing is to have like characters giving these like really long emotional speeches about how they can't feel emotion and that's very much like the the vampire the requiem vibe Mm -hmm. I think, like, the other thing that they're hitting is, like, the the way that, like, vampires, like, are... So, like, I've been thinking about, like, the Vampire Chronicles, right? Like, the Anne Rice books, like, yeah. Lestat and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, like... Those books are not really concerned with the vampire interaction between humans, at least as far as I've read. I've read, like, four or five of those books. Mm-hmm. And there's a point where it's just like, well, Lestat has to, like, um, Lestat has to feed on people, so he usually just, like, feeds on, like, criminals and, like, bad people. Yeah. And it's just it's just kind of tossed away. And But I this, this game and this version of vampires, I think, is very concerned and, like, with, like, the ties that vampires have to normal humans. Yeah. And the way that vampires are both, like, this parasitic existence. Uh, and that is not just, like... They're predatory towards humans and are also dependent on human conne- on connection with humans. Mm-hmm. And are, like, f- like, constantly putting on this kind of, like, performance of humanity. But that they need to do or else they will become, like... What's the word? I think the word's, Drogger? like, Draugr. Yeah. yeah. Just, like, these unending like living existences that are just like completely concerned with like survival and nothing else yeah there's there's this like scale that you have that goes from zero to ten called humanity you start at seven you're probably going to go down more often than you go up um if you go up then it's like probably going to be your character's like overarching defining goal as a person mm-hmm. um but it's like also it's hard to also it's like, super hard to go up yeah and the higher you are like the more humanity you have the easier it is to take hits to your humanity because yep. then like the the higher human like so like i think if you're like max humanity like any time like 
I think if you're max like ten humanity, feeding on a on a person like can damage your humanity. You yeah. know? So it, Yeah, well it's 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 fascinating, right? Because like a lot of the things that act as what are called breaking points for humanity, where it's like you have if you do this or witness this, etc., then you make a roll, and if you fail that roll, then you lose a point of humanity. Um at like the lowest levels, you know, there there are things that are like um heinous spree or mass murder uh do not know what heinous murder specifically means humanity i'm assuming that's hannibal shit yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. um it's it's all the murder art that's on hannibal yeah um like at two it's like premeditated killing at three impassioned killing um and you know it, it kind of makes sense that it's like more morally like you know awful actions are breaking points at lower levels of humanity but it's not just moral actions as well. It's like, if you're at 10 humanity, then one night without human contact will be a breaking point. Um, at 9 humanity, watching humans eat a meal is a breaking point. It's not necessarily about like doing immoral things yourself, but it's often about um, just being reminded that you're not human. Mm-hmm. Um, one really like evocative one that um, is at like humanity too, so very low at the end is seeing a culture that didn't exist while you were alive. Oh, that's really interesting, right? Yeah, <laughs> and it's 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 fascinating to just think about how like it's not necessarily portrayed as something where it's like, well, if it's not like a video game morality scale, um, no. although like it was in the Bloodlines game and pretty much did act exactly as that mm. but like here it's much more portrayed as something that's like this inevitable weight that's on you where it's like you can fight against this tide for only so long but eventually you'll get to a point where it's like not interacting with humanity that's a breaking point interacting with humanity and witnessing things that you know cause you to remember that you're a, a corpse who's been around for hundreds of years that's a breaking point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it feels in that way a lot more like tragic and powerful and just really quietly bleak than just being this sort of, you know, like we said, video game morality scale where it's like, if you resolve the quest in a blue way, then you go up in humanity. Mm-hmm. Resolve it in a red way, though, you're going down. Yeah, it's because it, you're right. It's not a morality scale. It is like a... It is your character's, like, connection to humanity. Mm-hmm. But because your character is not human, that connection is always under threat. Yeah. And is easier, much, much easier to break than it is to repair, you know? Yeah, similarly, like, each character has um, usually a person, but sometimes, like, a, a place or something called a touchstone, which is, like, their connection to, uh, like a previous life or to a human life. Mm-hmm. Um, and for like new vampires, it can be like, oh, my best friend is my touchstone or my wife is my touchstone or something like that. But the book talks about how like eventually there will be vampires that, you know, just have outlived everyone they knew in when they were alive. So what's a touchstone for them? Um, and it might be like, the janitor that you see coming to work uh, every morning as you, like, you know, turn in for for the morning. Um, and it's, it's not someone even necessarily that you have to have, like, a direct relationship with. But just, like, seeing that person is this, like, reminder of, like, 
being human and what being human constitutes. Um, and like, if things happen to your touchstone, then that can turn out really badly for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you lose that connection to your touchstone too. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I really like this conception of vampires. Um, I really like the game's approach to its lore. Um, because like, as, as Olivia mentioned beforehand, there are five clans, which are kind of like vibes of vampire drawn from like different, um, vampire myths. Mm -hmm. So there's the Deva, which are kind of like the sex vampires. They're like the alluring, seductive predator ones. But not sex Marcy. She's not a Deva. No, no, she's, she's different. Um, there's gangrels, which are like the kind of bestial, like, you know, um, just straight up like animalistic predator vampires. Mm-hmm. There's Meket, um, Vampire Sex Marcy is one of these. Um, you need to, when we post this, just like post a picture of her. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. They'll see, everyone will see Vampire Sex Marcy. <laughs> the world will come to know Vampire Sex Marcy. I'm going to retweet Van. I think I actually already posted her. Let me see if I can retweet Vampire yeah. Sex Marcy. Uh, while you do that, I'll detail yeah. the rest <laughs> of the clans. Uh, there's the Meket, and they're kind of like the, I guess like the in the shadows, um, like, you know, thing out of the corner of your eye, like, all-seeing but never-seeing conspiracy vampire. There's Nosferatu, who are, like, the, um, you know, kind of, like, the terrifying ones. They they all have something that, like, marks them as obviously inhuman. It's often that they, like, you know, have this, like, monstrous or hideous appearance, but it can sometimes just be that their vibes are fucked. Um, and there's Ventru, who are, like, the, you know, um, vampire CEO type of guy, you know, like the, the, the representations of vampires is like aristocracy and power, um, and like predators in the sense that capitalism is predatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, they're all like, they're all called something, right? Um, mm-hmm. like each, each client is like a nickname in the vent, at the venture, they're called like the Lords. Yeah. Know? Um, similarly, there's five are called covenants, which are like the kind of, um, groups of association between vampires. There's the Carthians that Olivia mentioned, who are like the ones who are trying to uh, experiment with new political systems and create a, a more egalitarian way of life among vampires specifically. It's noted that like, oh yeah, most Carthians are still absolute pieces of shit to humans. Mm-hmm. But it's like, we want equality of vampires so that like the blood of humans can be distributed among us. Um, there's the Circle of the Crone, who are kind of, like, witchy pagan vampires that also, like, revel in being monsters and say that, like, you know, we are, like, the perfect apex predators and that every other covenant is a way of running from that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the Lankea Sanctum, who are, like, the vampire Catholic Church, and I feel like that's all we need to say about them. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, there's the Invictus, who are, like, the like the vampires that are in charge like the old aristocracy the old like systems of you know if you've played like old vampire games and and heard about like the camarilla and words like prince and sheriff and all that like that's invictus vibes um and then here's the last one oh the ordo dracul who are like the vampire occult scientists who are trying to figure out like ways to transcend the vampire condition and like become weird super vampires of some sort. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um. No, those those are the vibes. Those are the vibes. Um, there's a big section in like there's a big section in the back that will just go through a bunch of cities in the world and be mm-hmm. like, here's the vibe in these cities. Here's what it's like. Uh, here's what it's like to be, uh, you know, these different clans in the cities. Here's what all the covenants are like in this city. You know, um, mm-hmm. that's a good example. One of them is like, um, one of them is like uh, in. Is it Berlin? I think it's Berlin where there's like this um, kind of like supernatural being that is like wandering around that has kind of like laid down its own laws for how things work in the city and kills any vampire that doesn't follow the laws. So it's like in that city, if you want to be Invictus, that shit is hard because (laughs) uh, like the, the laws of this thing called the nameless one basically forbid, like one of them is like, you can't gather in groups of more than five people. So it's like in the Invictus has a really hard time, but they are this kind of like really they've become this really tight-knit like calcified like you know group of like 50 vampires in the city who are like biding their time and trying to figure out how to get back on top one day you know and there's stuff like here's how the vampires communicate in this city when they can't gather in any specific place um you know this idea of like you know one clan is around but they're kind of suspected because, you know, people think, well, if this, like, nameless one creature is any vampire, it's going to be from this clan. So yeah. we're mad at them. Um, so, yeah, it is, like, one one thing I like about the setting in general is, like, this version of vampires, they're, like, it's very local, you know? Yes. Um, the In the Vampire Chronicles, Lestat can fucking fly. He can go wherever the fuck he wants, mm-hmm. you know? Um, not so in this game where it's very, like, they say like travel is really it's really difficult it's really unpredictable it's um it's dangerous to do so most vampires kind of like stay where they became vampires and just kind of like live there and so the the vibe of this back section is like here are all these cities that are basically like city states closed off from each other and there is no overarching structure basically um yeah so you you become a vampire and most of the time you are just like in that city, and you were dealing with whatever, you know, shit you got thrown into. Um, yeah. In that city. I, I, I think that, like, something that you just highlighted um, with that, like, description of the Berlin situation is that, like, vampires in this setting are so bound by and based on rules. Um, and there are so many, like, fascinating little, like, layers and networks of rules that govern who they are to each other. There's, like, the rules that they are bound by, like, in literal physical terms of, like, sunlight will burn you. Um, you know, you have these specific weaknesses. If each clan um, has, like, its own curse that just weakens it further and, like, gives you more and more problems. There are, like, social rules that bind vampires. There's, like, laws that all vampires are governed to. There's ones that, like, the Invictus will impose if they're in charge of a city. There's ones that, you know, are, are just kind of, like, common sense and unspoken rules and then there's like the rules of like other supernatural creatures that also exist in these cities because like there is a sense with vampires that like even though they can be very powerful and even though they can be like the driving force in a city it always is a little bit tenuous so it's like you don't just want to like declare all at war on every werewolf in your city and drive them out of there Mm -hmm. a because like you know again 
every supernatural creature except you has like a good purpose and like a useful function and b you have so many weaknesses that if they just like kind of say oh yeah it's now our priority number one to get rid of every vampire they're probably going to be able to like do a huge amount of damage to you yeah like where will that like vampires can do this thing where they like manifest the beast within themselves and like turn into some sort of like combat animal form werewolves just do that yeah. every werewolf does that already so yeah you, like wrestling voice if it comes up between me and a werewolf <laughs> werewolf's gonna win because <laughs> where i don't have protein exactly <laughs> i didn't invest it's, in protein yeah it's it's like i know in old world of darkness it was like pretty much guaranteed that if one werewolf and one vampire fought each other the werewolf is getting its shit kicked in um, here it's like a little more potentially balanced, but it does kind of require that like the vampire have invested everything they have into this type of specific like supernatural versus supernatural combat. Whereas like a werewolf will just be able to say like, okay, you know, um, I'm going to turn into a big wolf man now, even though my main thing is that like, I'm a very peaceful like judge and medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vampires are like... I don't know. I think it's interesting because I was able to create a character that, like, actually does not do a lot of, like, vampire stuff, you Mm -hmm. know? I think her vampirism is, like, almost kind of secondary to her main shit. It's just kind of, like, she's a person who happens to be a a vampire. And that is, you know, that's, like, a different vibe from, like, if you are a demon, you are a fucking demon. And you're gonna do, you know, you're gonna do demon stuff. You can't really, like ignore it you can't like ignore the fact that you're a demon in your character creation really but which vampires can yeah um and then the the last thing that i would want to say about like the vibes of the setting are that um i think they have a very cool way of handling like lore uh because vampires are obviously like these ancient predators and you know they've existed for like thousands and thousands of years but a lot of it is left very open-ended, not in a sense where it's just like, yeah, you guys figure it out as the um, as the players and as the GM, but like they will give a lot of like stories that are told in the modern day. And like each clan will have like a few suggested origins that like some members of the clan believe. Um, and there are like uh, clans that were destroyed and covenants that were destroyed and like our surviving information on them isn't always accurate and isn't always reliable so mm-hmm. occasionally like you know there are like plot hooks that are like oh yeah this vampire from the julii this clan that hasn't existed for like thousands of years um is in a coffin experiencing torpor and like there's indications that she's going to come out of that coffin very soon and wake up and it's like we have no idea like what she's going to be like um, like, she's probably going to be a little closer to human than she was before, given that, like, torpor is a way to, like, lower your vampire-ness, um, and, like, uh, lower your blood potency, for example. Um, but, like, we have no idea what the vibes are going to be here. We just know that this is, like, one of the only survivors of this, like, incredibly dangerous and decadent vampire clan that all got wiped out, and probably for good reason. So, like... Should we be afraid? Should we try to make deals? Should we, like, you know... Um, there's, there's like, all these different ways to go about it. And it's, it's all predicated on the fact that, like, the history 
is lost or misinterpreted in so many ways. And mm-hmm. I think that's a very cool vibe for them. Yeah, I think that's like, you know, speaking of like lost and misinterpreted history, I think that's like a good, that's a good part to like pivot to talking about the Strix before we get to yeah. character stuff. Because, um, yeah, like one of the big features of this world is that like vampires have this kind of like kinship slash like natural enmity with these beings called the Strix, which mm-hmm. are these kind of like owl, I guess like owl themed spirits. Yeah, they're, that... like, they're like owls made of shadow. Yeah. They're kind of like double vampires in a sense. Yeah, they are like, they're a lot less human than vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't have a body. They have this kind of shadow form. Um, they don't like, they kind of have some of the weaknesses of vampires, but they also kind of don't. Like yeah. a Strix cannot... A, a, like, base form, you know, Shadow Owl Strix cannot be in the sunlight. But all being in the sunlight will do to a Strix normally is, like, make it flee to Shadow. You know? Um, a, a Strix can only be killed by the sunlight if they have absolutely nowhere to go. You know? Mm-hmm. And they're, like, stuck in the sunlight for too long. Whereas, like, um, the sun is much more deadly to a vampire. And Strix can also possess corpses, both human corpses and vampire corpses mm-hmm. um and if they do they you know they're fine in the sun um they kind of like feed on kind of like life energy i guess in general the way that vampires feed on blood and they are like they're there's kind of like less of them they're mysterious they're more solitary and they are like dedicated to killing vampires um yeah and that's kind of what they do um and so, yeah, like we said, they are they're this interesting kind of enemy where it's like, you know, the Strix are not, like, good spirits. Mostly, though, they are concerned with, like, killing vampires. Yeah, and, like, a lot of why they want to kill vampires is this sense of, like, you guys are half-assing it. Like, there are Strix that will claim to be, like, the true embodiment of the beast. Like, this, you know, this force that's within every vampire and that, like, acts as, like, their predatory instinct. Um, and the Strix are like, well, you guys just spend so much time wrapping, like, you know, false claims of humanity around the beast. And that's, like, really pathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, There's also, you know, you were talking about different stories. There's also some Strix who claim that they are, like, a betrayed and wronged, like, um, you know, betrayed and wronged, like, metaphysical cousin of vampires. And mm-hmm. so they want to kill all the vampires as, like revenge for this thing that happened to them but they don't explain what it is and it's unclear if that is a lie or like something that is not true but they genuinely believe and you know they're very much this kind of like thing that's shrouded in mystery and the book just the book has like a huge section which is just all of these different like kinds of strix and like their kind of like modus like you know each individual strix is like modus operandi like what they the kind of corpses they usually possess, what they do in a society, and how they go around, like, screwing with vampires. One is, like, a Hannibal serial killer. Mm-hmm. One, like, what, one is very specific in that he possesses cops and likes to, like, <laughs> use cops and, like, n- mortal human authority to screw with vampires. Yeah. And so, like, will possess a cop and then, like, lead all of the other cops into, like, investigating and dismantling, like, um, vampire real estate, basically, you know? Yeah. And, like, you know, we'll just, um, you know, screw with them that way. There's one that's, like, (laughs) there's one that's really interested in, like, killing children. (laughs) Like, creating a messed up child cult and then killing all the children in the child cult. So, that's, 
that's weird. They're very, like, strange beings, and there's a ton of story hooks in the book for, like, the vampires get a sense that the Strix is, is hanging around. What are they going to do about it, you know? Yeah, it's, and it's, like, I think they make for great hooks because, like, vampire is super open-ended as a game. Um, there's very little of, like, a discreet point to it where, like, even in something that's like um like mage the awakening right like there's there's obviously many many ways that campaigns of that system can go but there is this fundamental sense that like oh well there are these beings called the exarchs that are like these you know evil gnostic demiurges and we are sworn to like fight their agents and like try to free humanity from their control in a sense there's no good like version of that for vampires mm-hmm. it's it's not as if like they have a unified goal that they're working towards mm-hmm. Vampi- but I think, vampires don't capital d do anything no you know? no not at all but like i think the strix are a very interesting like wrinkle on that because if a strix shows up then it very quickly becomes a situation where vampires are like oh well we gotta do something now mm-hmm. um not necessarily for like moral reasons but just because like if a strix gets free reign then they're probably going to, like, screw up everything that we have going on in this city because they hate us and they want to, like, tear our works to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think this might be, like, the most positive I've been on, like, a, a canonical setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a very fun one. Yeah, I just think it's, like, part of being so open is it's, like, you know, there there's all these kinds of, like, nooks and crannies both for players to like put stuff and also for writers to write like interesting things um Mm -hmm. i was like reading that that part in the back that describes all these cities i'm like oh this is all cool like i just kind of like most of these vibes um i like reading about a bunch of like stupid vampire politics yeah and like you know um (laughs) it's you know um jackson's tweet voice but i love when i love when they um you know, when the Vampire Elector Council, um, you know, nominates someone who they think will be an easily man- controllable puppet, but within 20 years he has the city in his iron dead grip. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> now the new vampire tyrant. I love that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like vampires. They're very cool. Mm-hmm. Except when they're not. Well, yeah, I think that, like, for vampires, like, being really fucking uncool is a form of being cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cause yeah, that's, it's something that like, I want to make clear is that like, for as cool as an individual vampire can be, they're all pathetic in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's what makes them interesting, especially in this setting. It's like the combination of being this kind of like undying exist, like this undying kind of like predatory cool existence. And then also it's like, well, if you don't drink your blood... You're gonna shrivel up into a weird little thing and die. Yeah. You know, being both, like, really powerful and also motivated by, like, really immediate, tangible, like, discreet needs, you know? Um, and that's that's what is cool. Absolutely. Uh, I feel pretty... I feel like we've put that to bed. I feel like we've, we've put, put, put that to final death. I was gonna say we put it in the coffin and then close <laughs> closed the lid. Yes! Uh, you want to talk about some vampires? Um, yeah, absolutely. Some more vampires, I guess. 
uh, talk about two specific vampires. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like we said, uh, we are going a mean and sexual style this time. Um, and we, like, I think this is probably, like, by a huge margin, the most we've talked about our characters beforehand. Yeah. Um, because we, we, like, said almost nothing to each other about the system beforehand, and we usually, like, let a few things slip. Mm-hmm. But we more than made up for that by, like, running our characters past each other. Because um, we just wanted to make sure that we weren't going to be, like, doing anything that would really, like, fuck up the other person's day. Mm-hmm. And also, they're just, like, our whole concept. Which, what, what, where did we start? We wanted a, like... What are the two terms? Like a child and... A sire and a child. Right. So child with an E at the end. With an E, yeah. So we wanted uh, one vampire who created another vampire and we wanted mm-hmm. them to like... I think our base concept was like we wanted them to reunite after like a bad... Like after like things went bad like 10 years ago. You know? Yeah. That's where we started. And then where we spun off was just like... <laughs> all the way over there you could throw a football and yeah. you would still like and you would you would still not uh, approach how far we went yeah we just went on and on absolutely anyway um how do we want to do this oh my god um i think i could start with like my the the first part of like my character's backstory up until the point where my character meets yours sure yeah and then yeah. i can tag it over to you yeah yeah so like yeah so just narrative non-mechanical we'll like yeah. establish that and then be like we'll, we'll establish like the idea and then we're gonna we'll go back and be like okay here's where the dots are yeah let's do it all right the year is 2002 an anonymous experimental gothic electronic musician going by the name nothing sacred released an album called Self-Revelation and Annihilation of Self, heavily inspired by Abel Ferrara's 1995 vampire film The Addiction. The album is critically acclaimed and quickly seen as a groundbreaking entry into genre, and anticipation builds for where this exciting new artist will go next. Um, so the artist behind that project is who I'm playing. Uh, he remains very reserved and reclusive. He only grants, like, a couple of interviews um, and makes sure to, like, have the condition of anonymity on each one. And rather than perform his own live shows, uh, he has a rotating series of women perform his songs on a single keyboard on an unadorned stage. Um, but despite that, like, relative anonymity, it does become, like, an open secret in the Austin, Texas club scene that Nothing Sacred is a young man named Wes. Um, and most of his fans, like, respect his wishes for that type of, like, privacy and anonymity, uh, although a few try to get close and ingratiate themselves with him. Uh, more on that later. (laughs) Um, so during this process, Wes is also exploring a lot of confusing feelings regarding gender. He gets some of his friends and confidants to, like, make him over with a, uh, gothy femme look. And occasionally he'll, like, take the stage and perform under that look. Um, And for all all the audience knows, this is just another woman who's part of his, like, rotating cast of people who do his live shows. Mm -hmm. Um, But in uh, reality, like, that's the only way he's ever felt comfortable performing. 
And it starts to, like, dawn on him, like, damn, maybe this isn't just a performance. Maybe this is something real. Uh, so, bad news on that front, buddy. That train of thought is cut short by one of Wes's most devoted fans, who is a real vampire. Uh, that vampire is like, damn, this guy wrote so beautifully and movingly about what it's like to be a vampire in his debut album. Uh, he probably really wants to be a vampire, so I'm going to give him that gift. And uh, at 23 years old, in uh, 2004, Wes gets embraced, um, and he fucking hates it. He is done with this shit from moment one, <laughs> uh, for a number of reasons. First off, he doesn't actually care about vampires per se. He wrote the alpha. He wrote the album when he was like a gothy teenage junkie, and he just cribbed heavily from a movie that happened to use vampirism as a metaphor for like Catholic guilt and addiction. So, like, it just kind of fit, but he didn't have, like, a particular obsession with vampires. Um, but now he's stuck forever <laughs> with that, because someone was just like, wow, this guy probably wants to be a vampire more than anyone in the world. Um, second, being a vampire, and this is something that we talked about earlier, like, it's left him pretty much completely creatively stagnant. Um, he can only really like remember emotions rather than like experiencing them in the same way that he did beforehand and that's really just like fucked up his artistic rhythm and his like creative process to the extent where like he can only turn out really perfunctory mechanical like clinical sounds anymore um and like the next two albums that he releases like get absolute dog shit reviews and it quickly is like well that first one is really good but he's clearly a flash in the pan um, although, like, he does maintain, like, a good fan base and, like, uh, a loyal cult following and has a reputation as putting on a good live show. And finally, if basic emotions are now out of his reach, something, something as complicated and personal as gender, even more so. Um, he, like, remembers how amazing it felt to be in those, like, first moments of euphoria, those first moments of, like, exploring femininity and... Uh, like, of conceiving of his identity in that way. Um, but that's all he can do, right, is he can remember. Um, like, at this point, if he tries to engage with femininity in any way, then it just is, like, completely clinical, it's transactional, it's something that feels like, well, I can only really do this to, like, get something out of it. Um, whether it's, like, a live show or, like, you know, being hot to someone in a way that's going to benefit me. Um, and, like, while he was just at that, like, tip of experiencing gender euphoria for the first time, it's now just, like, completely gone, and he, again, despises it. Um, around this time, he finds what seems like a very powerful lifeline, but one that isn't going to be immediate in any sense, and that's the Ordo Dracul. Like I mentioned, they're, like, the vampire occult scientists who are all about, like, transcending the limits of vampirism. And he's like, oh, that's a natural fit. You guys hate being vampires, too. Um, although, like, a lot of them do have different philosophies on this. And I don't think that, like, typically they're as contemptuous of vampires as he is. Mm -hmm. um, but it is probably the one that he would have, like, the least conflict with. So um, he's a very smart guy. He's very dedicated and determined. And he starts to research methods of overcoming both the curse of sunlight and the curse of, like, not being able to really feel emotions anymore in the same way that he's used to. 
Um, but you can't just live on that promise alone, right? That's like so distant in the future. That's like, maybe if this experiment goes the right way, then I'm going to be 10% of the way closer to being able to like go out and day again. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a long-term cause, but what you need more than that is a way to keep the individual days from being just this crushing sea of gray and like feeling awful about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the lifeline that helps them through the day to day? Well, it's a certain someone that I think Olivia might know about. Yeah. So, um, what you were saying that what what you were saying that West would meet Rasheen? Um, maybe like I think two thousand seven is what I mean. Two thousand seven. Yeah. yeah. So like about three years later, right? The idea that I'm thinking of is that Wes is like you know still doing these live shows because you know like you make some money. It's like yeah. you know you get um. It's it's a good way, if nothing else, to like continue to have a a good herd that you can draw blood from Mm -hmm. yeah and so like you know he after so like after after becoming a vampire does he still have the um does he still have the thing with like the rotating cast of women who perform the the pieces or is that mostly just um or does he do it mostly i i think it's still a rotating cast Mm -hmm. um although like if if you are particularly observant you might notice that like oh, there's this one that seems to, like, be there most uh, more than the others and, like, you know, uh, is never in the same room as Wes, and I wonder what that's about. Yeah, speaking of that, so oh, I think fuck. after... <laughs> so oh, I... no, I've been found out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically I think after one of these, like, you know, shows where he, he you know, Wes performs himself in, in 2007, he is approached by, like, a young local college student who is really convinced, who's like, you know, who's been coming to these shows for a while, is a big fan of all of the albums, not just the first one, but she likes the other two as well. Oh. Um, oh, wow, that sounds awful. <laughs> she can she can talk for a very long time about why they're criminally underrated. Okay. Um, which, I, which I assume um, is interesting to him. But basically, she's been coming to these shows, you know, for a while, and she's a big fan, and she's like, you wrote them. I can tell you're the the real musician. Um, <laughs> and basically she won't leave him alone until yeah, yeah, yeah. he admits that and also uh, gives her his number. Um, so Rasheen, like I said, is a um, is a kind of like local college student. She is a religious studies major. Okay. Um, that is sort of just something she picked. Um, you know, she went to like, um, you know, like a local liberal arts college and was like, uh, I'm coming up on my second year and I need a major. So <laughs> I don't know. I guess these are interesting, but yeah, she is like, you know, she's, you know, she's like a, she's like a nerdy young girl. She doesn't have a lot of close friends. Um, she's really isolated at college, but not in a way that like prompts a mental breakdown that makes you need yeah. to go home, but just in a way that makes college suck ass. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so she's not like from Austin originally. Is no, she? no. Okay. I, I think she's from the Northeast basically. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, might... I, I'd imagine Wes is someone who's like from Austin or, or maybe like, you know, yeah. if he's lived anywhere else, then it'll be like Dallas. Yeah. It. No, she definitely, she definitely like moved to Austin to go to college under the, under the like unspoken assumption of like, well, my life back home sucked. What I need is clearly just a different environment. And then in a different environment, everything will just work for me. Um, that didn't work out. So she really threw herself into like, 
you know, media stuff. Like she reads, a, you know, she reads a lot. She listens to a lot of music. She like, uh-huh. you know, she's really involved in the music scene. And so that's where she runs into like nothing sacred slash Wes. And, you know, basically just starts pestering him. Yeah. But I think pestering him in a way that is like more endearing than it is annoying. And yeah. let me be clear. It's not, not annoying. Oh, for sure. It's annoying. But it's also like, you can't really be pissed at her, mostly because she's hot, but also because she's, like, entertaining in the way that she's annoying. Yeah. Um, can, can I ask something, like, very initial about, like, their, their uh, like, how their dynamic starts out? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that probably Wes, at first, has, like, a kind of reaction to her, like, mm, well, if someone's going to get this close, then I'm worried that, you know, I'm going to have masquerade violations on my hands, so I'm going to hit her with some kind of, like, you know oh, honey, I'm dangerous to know. You don't want to be around me type of things Um, as, like, a way of, like, you know, like, half-heartedly rejecting um, the the, the pestering of the attention. Uh, How does Rashid react to that? Um, I bet she thinks it's cute because they're the same age at this point. And, like, (laughs) she's like, that's so cute that he's, like, (laughs) dangerous. Look at him. Look at his little arms. Like, (laughs) his arms look like little cigarettes. I bet he could smoke them. (laughs) Yeah. Like, she she is not, she's not, like, moved by this, like, vague intimation that, like, dangerous. Um, I think partially that is, like, Part of that is informed and part of that is not informed, you mm-hmm. know, of like, there's, at one, Wes does not, you know, there's nothing about, like, Wes looks like this, like, Wes looks like this little baby nerd who doesn't get enough sun, you know? Yeah. But also, like, <laughs> uh, also she doesn't understand, really, that, like, even that type of person can still be very dangerous. Yeah, um, for sure. So she can just brush by it. Here's my question. Is Wes on Facebook? Oh, my God. Um, I do Oh, it would be, like, the perfect time for Facebook yeah. as, like, the main one. Yeah. Um, I think he probably has, like, a page that he hasn't, like, bothered to, like, delete. Mm. Um, but it's, like, there's probably, like, an official nothing sacred, like, Facebook and MySpace mm-hmm. um, that, like, gets more attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's this, like, you know, just, like, quiet one of, you know, him and, like, his friends that he had at college um, back when he went that he just hasn't, like, paid attention to for the longest time. But then... I think Rasheen gets him back on Facebook, and her po- and her poke war game is like incredibly <laughs> annoying. <laughs> oh my god, I hate her. I want to be clear, I love her, but I also hate her. She'll poke him and then text him that she did that. Yeah, you know, just so that he uh, has to log on to Facebook and deal with that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, she she basically is like around. She's like around long enough, and she's like not. I think because I think the thing is like she's she's kind of a pest and like kind of annoying, yeah. but also she is like, you know, she is like intuitive in a way, mm-hmm. and like there are times where like you know if Wes is like particularly like frustrated with her shit, she she'll be like yeah I'm sorry I'll get you back and then just like leave you know yeah and so she has like enough emotional intelligence and like empathy to like not take it too far and i think like basically has like the ability to present herself as like someone who west feels like he could actually like have some kind of like relationship with yeah 
Um, and I think, frankly, like, it takes him an embarrassingly short time to, like, break down. Because, <laughs> like, like, like I said, the initial response is definitely, like, oh, girl, it's dangerous to know me. Like, you don't want any part of this. Um, but, like, after it's clear that, like, she's not going to go away, it's just, like, it takes so little nudging for him to be like, okay, well, if you're committed to this dark life. Then can I just, like, tell you all my feelings and, like, how much it sucks to be me? And can I, like, whine at you in AOL Instant Messenger for, like, four hours? Mm-hmm. Which, let's be clear, annoying behavior. Oh, yeah. But for, like, a girl who has no friends and, like... Has, and has had this, like, vague crush on this, like, electronic musician that she's built up in her head, like, that is, like, interesting, you know? That's yeah. a kind of attention that she just, like, doesn't have in her life. So yeah. she's like, you know, she's like, ooh, I get to be, like, his therapist or something. Yeah. If you guys are uh, listening and are interested in this type of, like, awful vibe, uh, please check out the uh, 2021 film We're All Going to the World's Fair by Jane Schoenburn. All right. It's really good. I've never seen it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that the the two of them like kind of quickly become close. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like once those emotional floodgates like open up, uh, you might notice by the way that I like both constantly insisting that Wes can't feel emotions and talking about what emotions he's feeling. Yeah, listen, I'm gonna keep doing that. Nobody's. We got I, it. Yeah, <laughs> we got it. Anyway, so one thing leads to another. Da 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 da. Da da da. Vampire power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that like from Wes's perspective, he embraces like, and, and from like his memory of it, like he embraces, which is like the term for turning into a vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roisin, like with her complete consent, like he, you know, like fills her in on all of this and says that like, hey, you know, this is my darkest secret and. You know, this is something that you're sworn to complete secrecy about, but I'm a vampire, and this is what the world of vampires is about. Um, and then, you know, from his perspective and memory, he turns her into a vampire with, like, her express, like, consent and wishes, mm-hmm. where she's like, oh, hell yeah, I want to be a part of this this world of vampire stuff. Um, I've kind of, like, left it open-ended if uh, for, for, like, you to decide, like, if Roisin remembers it the same way. Um, I think Roisin remembers it kind of the exact opposite way, but not necessarily because that's how it went, mm-hmm. but because, like, that's how it is in a breakup sometimes. You yeah. Know? It's like, like, I think, I think he did, let's give Wes some credit, I think he did sit her down and really try to explain it to her. Yeah. I think, on the other hand, there are degrees to which he could never have, like, really conveyed it in a way that she would, like, understand. Yeah. And also, once you reveal to someone that you're a vampire, that is kind of a one-way... Like, you can't make them forget that you are a vampire, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think also, to give Rasheen some credit, maybe give her some credit? Like, you make some stupid decisions when you're 23. Oh, yeah. And, like... Easily. Um like you know don't really have like a full understanding of like life experience in the world and like what certain decisions could do for the entire rest of your life you know so like i think if we're talking in the realm of like what actually happened i think he did fill her in she did say yes really believing that like it made sense but also there was kind of like that there was a that like if he was a remotely moral person instead of a vampire there was a lot more responsibility he had in that situation that, like, 
was not checked off by like these basic actions of like well, I'm going to give her the rundown and I'm going to make sure that she enthusiastically says yes. Well, I think also that, like, if she knew, if there was, like, a way that she could really emotionally know what it would be like to be a vampire, yeah. I think she would, I think anyone would be like, that sounds like, that sucks. No mm-hmm. way. I don't, no, 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 thank you. I'm going home and I'm going to live a normal human life. Yeah, because I, I, I think that there's, like, I think that there's something important here, which is that, like, even though Wes is going to be, like, in his mind doing everything that he can to, like, make it clear how awful being a vampire is, like, he has this pathetic little hope in him that, like, oh, this is going to get better. This is something where, like, it's it's not the end. My ordo research or maybe, like, you know, my relationship with Roisin is going to save me from this. Mm-hmm. And thus, like, he's not actually making it sound as bad as it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and thus, like... She she hears that and she's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess it kind of, like, makes you, like, depressed and emo, but, like, this is the mid-2000s thing. Yeah. I kind of am depressed and emo, so, like, how much worse can it possibly freaking get, you For know? For sure. This is um, the mid-2000s. They would have said emo a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. I think I think she probably calls him emo, like, to make fun of him yeah. in an <laughs> affectionate way. Um. But yeah, so so Rusheen gets turned into a vampire, and mm-hmm. things, I think things are okay for a while, and then it gets bad, right? Yeah. Do you want to talk about, like, when things are okay, in a sense? Because I think there's a big elephant in a room that we haven't mentioned. Um, just a certain three-letter word that's on this character sheet a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think when things are good, it's this thing of, like, you know... Um, it, it, you know, Rasheen is, like, somebody who has, like, you know, not, um, Rasheen is, like, somebody who, like, has not had a very fulfilling life, who now mm-hmm. comes into, like, an incredible, like, power, and, like, you know, it's, like, introduced into, like, a world that she had no idea about, so I think while she's, like, still getting used to her stuff, um, is, like, transferring to night school so she can still, like, go to college, you know, she's, like, taking yeah. night classes so she can still graduate and like the cost of it hasn't really set in there's an idea of like i'm hanging out with my like cool vampire boyfriend and we're like doing shit and uh, like introducing ourselves to people and like running around you know they go to like a vent you know they go to like elysium which is the vampire gathering ground and she's like yeah. this is the coolest party i've ever been to and i feel hot like this yeah goes. and i i, I want to make something clear as well that like what i mean this as the faintest praise possible but, like, Wes is one of the coolest vampires in the city. <laughs> um, like, he's he's absolutely someone who's, like, both still plugged into, like, mortal, like, social things. And I think that, like, for example, him, um, like, being creatively sterile himself hasn't necessarily stopped him from being, like, a good judge of other people's creativity. So, like, mm-hmm. he'll, like, have ins with, like, really cool mortal musicians and with, like, you know, these, like, really powerful vampires mm-hmm. and feel like he's someone who can, like, invite you into this, like, amazing, like, perfect world of, like... He's the white DJ Khaled. He's the white DJ Khaled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like the white trans DJ Khaled. Oh. Uh... <sighs> This is so stupid. <laughs> what a stupid thing to say. Listeners, it's going to get much stupider. <laughs> but yeah, and so, yeah, like, you know, when it's good for a while because, like, you know, all these, like, cool things are happening and the, like, you know, it hasn't set in, like, you know, exactly what the cost of this new life is going to yeah. be for Rasheen. And, um, and I think from Wes's e- e- 
perspective too, there's a sense of like, well, I don't feel like necessarily like so sterile and stagnant anymore because like I'm doing things that I haven't done as a vampire yet. And I still don't feel like I've run out of, like, my list of things that I want to do with, like, my cool girlfriend, you yeah. know? And I think also there's, like, you know, it feels, like, cool and empowering to, like, be a mentor to somebody in that yeah. way. Of, like, oh, like, I'm teaching her this shit. And she's like, wow, you know this? This is so cool. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like she would definitely come to his, like, laboratory or wherever he does his ordo yeah. cool shit. And, like, he explains the whole formula. And she's like wow that's so cool i never thought of this before and like what if you like he loves explaining the proper nouns in the vampire the requiem play like book to her yeah and every time she's like that's every time she's like wow and then like asks a bunch of like tough but answerable questions and then he answers them and he's like wow i'm so fucking smart yeah i'm so smart (laughs) uh you have been listening for the last like what 10 minutes to the foundation of a great and lasting relationship yeah (laughs) Everything is fine. Yeah. Literally nothing could go wrong, Hannah. Uh-uh. Um, do we so want... So anyway, what goes wrong? <laughs> we still haven't gotten to the, the, the one three-letter word yet. Okay. That's super important. You know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. The word is? Zoe. Who the fuck is Zoe? Uh, I guess I can answer that myself. Yeah. Um, so... Something that's important to note about uh, Roisin is that she is the supportive liberal chaser girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and, like, I think that in the course of, like, really opening up to Roisin, like, Wes, like, in- opens up about, like, those those gender feelings. And, like, oh, I haven't, like, really felt connected to these since I, I was embraced. But, like, I also feel like... Like, my emotions are just richer and more real ever since I met you. And I think that Roshid is, like, absolutely, like, you know, gung-ho about, like, hell yeah, I'm going to support you in this. And you're going to be, like, my cool vampire girlfriend instead of my cool vampire boyfriend. Yeah. Um, and, uh... Because from Roshin's perspective, didn't... From Roshin's perspective, they just made a, like, a huge, like, life-altering transition. So, like, yeah. what's another one of those? <laughs> you know? Like, hey. Um... Also, she's always secretly wanted to date a girl. Oh, there you go. <laughs> like, hey, well. We love the supportive Lib Chaser girlfriend. <laughs> we love the Lib Chaser girlfriend. Um, yeah, uh, and Rasheen gives... Uh, also, it makes the whole performing and drag thing make so much sense in a way that's really satisfying to her. Yeah, yeah. It makes her be like, aha, I understand gender now. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. You know... Yeah, um, supportive cis girlfriends love to, like, have moments of light bulbs where they, like, get 1% of the complexity of gender, and they're like, ah, I understand it now. Also, it makes her feel, like, less of a creep, you know, know. (laughs) of, like, oh, that was his authentic expression of gender identity, and it wasn't Mm -hmm. just, like, a sex thing. Yeah. I kind of thought it was a sex thing, I felt weird about that, but now I don't have to feel weird about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, yeah, um, Rasheen gives Wes a new name, which is Zoe. Um, and for, like, the majority of their relationship, um, Zoe, like, spends pretty much, like, full time in girl mode and, um, like, you know, kind of reintroduces herself to other vampires as that. And, you know, I think that, like, there's probably some, like, old school Invictus guys that are, like, weirded out by it. But I think that, like, vampires are just, like, they have their own shit that they're weird about that's, like, unique to being a vampire. So I think that, like, if any of them are kind of, like, put off by Zoe, then it's not by the transness. It's about, like, 
weird vampire taboos that she's breaking by being like a very aggressive ordo person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or the blood bond. Yeah, uh, what's a blood bond? So a blood bond is a thing vampires can do, where if you drink another va- if you drink another vampire's blood, um, you kind of become like mentally dependent on them. Yeah. Um, There's like ways to resist it, but like if you keep doing it, eventually you'll you'll fall to this. Yeah, in a way, I the way the book describes it is it's like like the feelings involved are like love, mm-hmm. but they're kind of like the bad parts of love. Yeah, you know, like like the the obsessive parts, the parts that like cloud your judgment, the parts that make you like absolutely unbearable around anyone else, mm-hmm. and the parts that make you like. You know, like, really desperate to, like, please this person and, like, have their esteem and just kind of, like, you know, um, like, makes them, like, your whole world in a bad way, you know, like you said, like, judgment mm-hmm. clouding and that kind of stuff. Anyway, that's what they start getting up to once the BDSM stuff comes in, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that this is, like, another situation where, like, uh, Roshin is technically the one that, like, introduces it. And so from, like, Zoe's perspective of never owning up to anything and never admitting that she has agency in anything ever. It's like, well, but I warned her about the consequences and she really wanted to get blood bonded. So, like, it only seemed right to do so. But, like, realistically, you know, the actual moral answer to that is like, what? No, oh my god, what is wrong with you? Like, if you want BDSM, we could do that. But, like, not actual, literal, like, long-term mind control that, like, you know fucks with your mind for like a year plus mm-hmm. um yeah and i think from machine's perspective it's like you know her classic like pattern in this is to like um kind of like stumbled on something mm-hmm. pushed for it yeah kind of like been told about the consequences not really hear that part because it's not something she wanted to hear yeah. and then later be like why didn't you tell me about the fucking consequences, you know? <laughs> like, when when you told me, and I didn't listen, why didn't you tell me again? For sure. And do it again and again until I didn't, until I didn't make the bad decision, yeah. you know? And I, I think it's gonna, like, vary from situation to situation, but, like, I think in pretty much everything that happens between the two of them, like, it's both of their faults. Mm. Um, like, they're both awful people, and they both, like, hurt each other in very, like you know, uh, severe ways. Um, and I don't think that, like, you know, that there's uh, someone here who, like, comes out morally blameless or even, like, less morally culpable than the other to a significant extent. Mm. Yeah, just if that's, you know, we're interested, we're not interested in telling the story where one of them is just, like, the villain. Yeah. Um, it's, like, much more of the story where, like, you know, they... These are just, like, two awful personalities that just bump up against each other in the most destructive way possible. I don't even think they're awful personalities, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, they are... They're people with flaws, and mm-hmm. as as everyone is, and the flaws that they specifically have, like, combine with each other to make things worse than they would al- already be. You know? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, like, you know, machine... Hmm? What's up? I'm just pointing at Rasheen who's staring at us this whole time. <laughs> pointing at this picture of Rasheen. Um, she looks so happy. She does look so happy. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, they, you know, they, um, 
Yeah, I don't think they're, like, terrible people. I don't even think this is, like, I don't even think this is a relationship that's necessarily doomed forever. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a thing where it's, like, nobody involved has the tools to make this work. Yeah. And because they don't, it keeps getting worse. Yeah. It's, like, there are, there are a lot of points at the relationship where you can, like, free stream it there and be, like, okay, well, they could work on this. And they could, like, you know. Or even they could bail. Yeah. Cut this thing off, and it would be like, you know, there's like, there's a alternate version of this where, you know, they get, you know, they kind of, where they bail before all the blood bond stuff, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, we kind of got up to some embarrassing shit, like, before this, and yeah. it's like, it's not like things are great between us, but, you know, there could be a version of Rasheen that's like, I, you know... I understand that you didn't, like, really have a way to communicate how fucking, like, bad being a vampire is. So, like, Mm -hmm. it's not like I've totally forgiven you, but it's, like, whatever. You know? Like, we have, we do have this kind of, like, bond that, in in a sense, kind of, like, wins out over, like, the the harm that has been done. You Mm know? Um, That's not the relation. It just, it just gets worse. It just gets worse. Um, One last quick thing that I want to say before it gets really worse. Mm -hmm. Um is uh, that during this time, kind of, like, temporarily inspired and uplifted and feeling, like, hopeful and feeling that, like, oh, it's almost like we're just, like, two normal girls that happen to have vampire power. Um, That Zoe releases uh, one more critically acclaimed album, which is, to be fair, mostly composed of, like, scraps of, uh, like, like scraps and drafts and demos uh, from before she got embraced that she's like now just polishing up. Um, and this this one critically acclaimed album is called For Zoe. And I think that like, you know, in, in, in a mortal public sense, um, to the extent that like, you know, she's known at all, it's like still um, in boy mode as Wes. Um, and I think that like, it's something where, like, the two of them get this kick out of it of being like, oh, we know who Zoe is and other people don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But things go bad. Things go bad. Um, and I don't even think there's even, like, one specific, like, event that makes things go bad. I think kind of like I said, like, the stuff just kind of, like, builds and builds because, like, you know, Zoe runs away from things, doesn't confront things, doesn't yeah. really, like, explain things through, really. And Rasheen is, like, you know, kind of, like, pushy and empathetic, but not, like, empathetic enough to, like, really figure figure Zoe out. And, like, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, what, okay, so, like... Let's let's just go to the let's just go to the character sheet, right? Like uh <laughs> Rasheen has like empathy three. Sure. And Zoe's much more of an empathy five kind of thing. So she's just kind of like <laughs> punching below her weight in a sense. Yeah. You know, of like you know, she can't you know, you can't fix anyone. But like Rasheen specifically cannot fix this girl. Yeah. And yet the girl expects her to fix her and it's not working. Yeah, and I I think that, like, from Zoe's perspective, it's, like, over time, this, like, gnawing sense that, like, oh, well, like, my research and my relationship, like, these things aren't, like, transcending the vampiric condition the way I want them to. They're just making it more palatable 
And I hate the idea that it could be palatable. Like, it goes against all my stated principles. Like, I keep talking about how, like, being a vampire is the worst. So, like, every time I have, like, a decent time out as a vampire, I just feel, like, awful about it because it, it, it feels like I'm a hypocrite. And so I think that there's this, like, awful paradoxical thing where it's, like, if Roisin's, uh, you know, feeling is that, like, oh, well... Well, like, Zoe didn't really seem to be having a good time last night. That's okay. I'll just, like, take her to somewhere else and give her a good time next night. Then, like, that's, like, no, that's the opposite of what Zoe wants. Or, like, giving her space would also be the opposite of what she wants because it would give her time to do this. And it just turns into, like, one of those no-win scenarios because, like, she's not willing to, like, actually articulate, you know, this... The, the the truth of this like no win situation in like a an honest way yeah um, like Zoe Zoe can't like bring her like interior feelings out into the open mm-hmm. and Rasheen cannot figure out that her like first instinct of how to help is not helping and is making things worse yeah so she keeps doing that Zoe's getting more bitter <laughs> she's getting more you know Zoe's like God damn it why aren't you fixing everything and Rasheen is like yeah, and why I, is it my job to fix everything again? Yeah, and I I think that there's like this this sense that like goes on more and more of like kind of feeling like resentful towards Roisin almost of like oh you imposed this name onto me you imposed this identity onto me like I never asked you for any of this debatable <laughs> um, but like you just kept pushing and pushing and like you know making me into this this like perfect girlfriend for you but like. You never stop to like try to figure out who I actually was, um, and and I think that like for the last year of their relationship, kind of like halfway from a genuine sense and halfway from a manipulative sense, like Zoe is like constantly trying to like sit Roisin down and be like, "Look, I know that you know I said versions of this when we first got together, but like I really am no good for you. Like you need to get out of here." Like. I'm a bottomless pit. This is not going to get better and you deserve a lot better than this. And in those moments, she's like doing a couple things. One is like hoping that like this is going to be the the thing that like acts as a catalyst for Roisin just hitting that next level and actually being able to fix her. One is the sincere like, I don't know how to actually be kind to you, but this is the best that I can do. Um, and one is this, this sense of like, um, oh my God, I forgot what the third one was. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously like this very like kind of emotionally complicated thing where, where she's like trying to push her away, but also like begging for her to do more. I think that the last one would probably be kind of like making her feel awful by not being good enough. You know, like I, I, I don't think that like Zoe is the kind of person who would like raises her voice at Roisin at any time in the relationship. But I think that, like, she's very good at making Roisin feel awful by, like, you know, making her feel like your love is not good enough. If you were better, you would be able to fix me. But mm-hmm. you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, there's all these moments where, like, the next day, Zoe will be like, God damn it, I fucked it up again. Like, I was, I really was hoping that this time I would be able to, like, communicate with her in a way that, you know, that that finally convinces her to, like, walk out the door and like make better use of the rest of her centuries and centuries of life but like it seems that i just like you know 
uh, bound her up in my fucked emotions even more. Um, mm-hmm. But eventually it doesn't, right? Eventually, Roisin does walk out that door. Yeah. Because, like, I th- so I think the thing from Roisin's perspective is, like, you know, like, Zoe has this thing of, like, oh, why aren't you good enough to fix me? Um, and so I think from Roisin's perspective, it's this idea of, like, you know, you, like, you're supposed to be the one who has things figured out. Like, you're supposed mm-hmm. to be the mentor. Why is it, why is it my job to, like, come into the situation that you've been in for years at this point yeah. and know it better than you and help you work through it when, like, I'm working through it myself and, you know, this kind of, like, resentment will, like, build and build and whenever, like, Zoe sits her down and does this, like, oh, I'm no good for you. I think mm-hmm. then it, like, spikes again as, you know, Rasheen's kind of, like, resentment turns into disdain as she's, like, you know, um, as she goes from, like, you know, there's, sometimes you're mad at someone and you're, like, this is a flaw you have. Mm-hmm. And then you get more mad at them. And it's like, this is a thing that you are doing actively. You yeah. know, like you ascribe an agency to them in order to be madder at them and like mm-hmm. see them as worse, you know? So I think it comes from like, you know, this is the thing you're doing to me and you don't realize it to like, this is the thing you're doing to me on purpose because yeah. you're a bad fucking person and I don't, and like, I'm sick of the shit anymore. And I know? think that that's like, I think that's an interesting distinction, but because like I purposely gave Zoe like very high presence and very meh manipulation, and I don't think that that's because like she's not necessarily like a manipulative person in her own way, but because I think that like high manipulation is about like having very precise action um, in a social sense and being able to like elicit a specific response, whereas like Zoe's whole thing is that she'll just like fire a shotgun spray of emotion at you and it'll probably make you feel the thing that she's hoping you'll feel but it'll also make you feel five awful other things Mm -hmm. yeah and like like i you know like i said i don't think there's a specific thing that makes it worse but i also don't feel like the time that they like that rasheen like walks out is any real specific time i think it's just like zoe does the thing that she's been doing for like a year now and then like midway through it rasheen's like all right, fine, and, like, walks out yeah. and just leaves. And it's, like, not even, like, a particular blow-up. It's just, like, we talked about how, like, you know, maybe this is even, like, a thing that Roisin has done once or twice before and then came back after a day or two. Yeah. So, like, you know, we talked about, like, Zoe not even necessarily... And, like, Zoe not even necessarily realizing that Roisin is, like, gone, gone because she left a ton of stuff, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, has done this before. But then, like, you know, Roisin just kind of gets up walks out, doesn't come back the next day, doesn't come back the next day, doesn't come back the next day, and da-da-da-da-da, and then, like, after two weeks, it's like, oh, she hasn't been back, I can't call her, like, contact her or mm-hmm. anyway, like, she's off that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, we're, like, it's, it's sire, we're sire and child, so I can tell she's alive, yeah. <laughs> because, like, metaphysically we're connected, but she's, like, gone, and nobody knows where she's been, and she's just gone. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I think absolutely that, like, like you said, it's not, like, a specific, like, final incident that is, like, worse than anything that's happened before. Um, I, I just think that it's, like, there's a quote from uh, the Abel Ferrara movie that, um, like, a, you know, late teens <laughs> Zoe was obsessed with and she was, like, writing her first album, um, which uh, is, like, vampires in that movie are constantly telling each other, 
why don't you look me in the face and tell me the go uh, like you really mean it. Tell Sin to look, uh, tell Sin to go like you mean it. And I think that because she's absolutely obnoxious, uh, Zoe quotes that line to Rashid a lot whenever she feels like, oh, is this it? Is this the moment where like she, she like, you know, we, she reaches her breaking point. And I think that like something that I feel like would be kind of poignant is that like, it's, it's not like the one time that she didn't do this, but like, it wasn't even a time where like, you know, Zoe was conscious enough of the situation to like say that line again. Right. Cause like, I think that her hope was always that like, well, I'm going to say this like cool quote from my vampire movie and it's going to be like the last thing that I ever say to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't the last thing that she ever said to her. It was like a, a shitty night for different reasons and, and not one that like invoked that specific pattern in their relationship. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, Rasheen is just gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, just gone. Um, on what I like to call the gaslight tour of the East Coast, or the gaslight girl boss tour of the <laughs> East Coast. Tell me about what she's up to during the ten years that they spend apart, and then I'll tell you what um, uh, what Wes is up to in the ten years. Yeah, so like, you know, I feel like this whole experience has been kind of like... So the way vampires work in this setting is they have these two concepts called a mask and a dirge, mm-hmm. right? And the way they frame it is like, uh, the mask is how the vampire appears to the mortal world and the dirge is how they appear in the vampire world yeah. and another way that they characterize the dirge is like this is who your character like is in their life as a vampire and the mask is like here's who they were in their mortal life yeah. and so you know we haven't talked a bit about mechanics we've been on this for like an hour not even talking oh a, bit, a bit about mechanics but yeah, like rarely an RPG podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and more importantly, our OCs. That's right. And more importantly, more importantly, that's very important for this episode. Yep. Um, but yeah, like you know, the dirge that I gave Rasheen is like competitor, mm-hmm. and it's because like I think this whole experience kind of instills this like conviction in her that like everyone's out to fuck with me yeah. and like manipulate me and use me. And so I've got to, and like, if I want to avoid that, if I want to avoid another Zoe, I've got to win, you know, I've got to like, you know, you know, those, it transforms Rasheen into the kind of person who's like, I'm going to win all, like every social interaction is a game Mm -hmm. that I can win. Yeah. (laughs) And like all of her kind of like knowledge and, you know, even her empathy and like, ability to feel other people's feelings and imagine their you know the way that they feel be- starts to become funneled towards this goal of winning in competitions with people screwing with them so they can't screw with her yes and so i think she kind of you know bounces from you know like vampire controlled city to vampire controlled city and not i think not particularly fast maybe i think the gas like girl boss tour it's maybe only like four cities okay um but eventually each city breaks really bad as she like <laughs> burns enough bridges and like screws with enough people that like it starts to become not a great idea for her to stay there yeah and she just moves on because she like doesn't let herself develop like you know lasting bonds or like stuff like that you know she comes into each you know new social scene of like all right i'm going to start like kicking ass and like beating people yeah. and you know 
even like even when things start to not go her way, she's like, "All right, I'm out of here." She's like, like the, the the classic uh, survivor villain who gives like the confessional to the cameras, like, "I didn't come here to make friends," and then like gets voted out midway despite having like you know seemingly a, a good control on the game. Yes. However, I want to make it clear that like before she gets voted mid- out midway, uh-huh. she always has like at least one or two people who like really genuinely believe that she is their friend and ally. Yeah. And completely fucks them over. Just like <laughs> she her like modus operandi is a very conscious like I'm going to get in with certain people and I'm going to use them for all they're worth. Mm-hmm. And if it breaks bad, I'm out of here. Yeah. And so, like, you know, we we can kind of talk about it in comedic terms, but also, like, she's she is, like, doing real harm to people yeah. um, on this way. And it comes from this conviction of hers that's like, you know, I'm going to win. And so she does this for about 10 years. Yep. And the whole time, you know, every kind of victory that she has, it's not really, like, bringing her that catharsis that she thought it would mm-hmm. you know she started to see everything as like okay if i get my social kda ratio <laughs> up enough then yes. i don't have to feel bad about this one d on my on my record you know um and uh you know and so she does actually get it pretty high like she gets more victories than losses yeah and yet that one loss is still on her mind and you know you can't because you can't actually just be like, you know, you can't go boss your way so hard that, like, that thing goes away. Um, so she starts to get the idea of, like, well, maybe I can go back to Austin and do my routine. And, and maybe, like, maybe the win I'm looking for is a rematch, actually. And so... A she- rematch with who? There's only ever been one person. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. So, yeah, that is her plan is to, you know, come back. You know, the the story that she tells herself is like she she got ran out of Austin because she was like a stupid kid. And now it's 10 years. She's been a vampire for 10 years. In vampire time, nothing, to be clear. But yeah, notably, like the, the main kind of like level stat that like governs a lot of like uses of vampire power is called blood potency and like you can invest experience into that but it also goes up naturally on its own every 50 years of being active yeah. these vampires have both been active for like 10 to 20 years at this point yeah so you know but in this story she tells herself she's like okay now i've been through some shit now i understand things more so mm-hmm. if i just go back and like establish myself and like now i put down roots and I just get I get my win on Zoe. That's gonna fix everything. Okay. I don't even and I don't even have to kill her. I just you know I just get uh I just get some kind of win. I make her hurt somehow. Yeah. And then I win. You I know? like it. And so that's her plan. Okay. Can I tell you about what Wes has been up to in the, the past ten years? Sure. Fuck yeah. Okay. So, um, like pretty. Almost immediately after uh, Rasheen leaves, he falls, like, back into the non-effort of boy mode as, like, the default and, like, returns to, like, understanding gender as something that's, like, really instrumental and practical. And it's like, well, if I need to seduce someone or if I need to do my live show, then, like, I still know how to, you know, uh, 
perform and present in these ways, but like I've kind of given up on it as a as a real like interiority. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has, in the meantime, become like a very successful member of the Ordo Dracul. Um, his official title, and there's like a uh, site that you can go to that generates these titles based on like the attributes of your character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is called within the Ordo Dracul the Hallowed Philosopher of Unchained Curses. Sure. Um, they're all that over the top and obnoxious. And as uh, part of this role as the Hallowed Philosopher, he has synthesized two compounds that are quickly sought after within Austin. One of them shields you against the sun, and one of them helps you remember the experience of human emotions, um, and thus replicate them more effectively. Mechanically, what both of these do is, like, raise your humanity, or your effective humanity up to 10 for, like, specific contexts, um, because, like, higher humanity means less sun damage, higher humanity means, like, you can relate to humans more effectively uh, Mm -hmm. in social circumstances. Um, yeah, and he's just got, like, these ornate rituals that are involved in synthesizing each of these. And what he basically does with them is just be, like, a very popular drug dealer in the city. Um, he feels like the trans breaking bad. Uh, I don't know how Well, not anymore. Now in his perception, he's the cis breaking bad. I think he would still say it. (laughs) (laughs) I I think he would still say it in, in ways that are, like, a little more cancelable than if he was still inhabiting that identity. Um, but, yeah, like, it's, he becomes someone who's, like, very quickly indispensable to the city, like, has a lot of, like, social connections. And I think that the same way that, like, you know, he couldn't necessarily ever convey his full feeling effectively with Roisin, and it would always be like, damn it, I thought that I was, like, telling her to leave in a way that would, like, really stick, but it's instead just kind of, like, made her, like, angry at me in some ways and made her, like, pity me in others and made her want to, like, fix me in others. And it's it's similarly, like, he has an incredible amount of emotional blowback from the way that he, like, relates to people. And that manifests all the time in, like, the 10 years that they're apart, where, like, he tries to be as, like, blunt as he can about hating all vampires and thinking that they're, like, you know, disgusting little freaks. But it only ever seems to come across as, like, oh, this is, like, this very, like, witty and urbane, like, you know, member of the court who has, like, this dry wit and will, like, test Everybody you. loves West, the vampire who hates vampires. Yeah, it's, it's like, he's really sought after as, like, a mentor within the Ordo Dracul and has this reputation as being this, like, very tough but fair person. And, you know, he'll, like, say things like, oh, well, if you want my, my greatest wisdom... Then what you can do is meet me out on my balcony as the sun is coming up. Um, And, like, what he means by that is, like, you know, like, if you want my wisdom, then, like, fucking die. But, like, what people always interpret it to mean is, like, aha, this is, like, some philosophical puzzle about, like, you know, putting the cart before the horse and, like, seeking the wisdom before you can embody the... And, like, it's, it's all, like, shit where, like, people like him a lot but in ways that, like, only make him feel more pissed off and, like, isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's, like, very well-established within the city, very high-ranking within the, the Ordo, often invited to, like, the prince's salons and, you know, treated as this, like, very, like, fascinating young academic. Mm-hmm. Um, and drug dealer, of course. And drug dealer. And drug dealer. Um, but someone who is, like, more and more feeling, like, wait, I was supposed to be dead by now, you know? Like, I 
when uh, things were like really falling apart in our relationship, I was giving off this like kind of vibe where it's like, oh, I'm on my last legs and I don't know how much longer I can continue with this like cursed existence. And, you know, soon I'm just going to expose myself to the sun without, you know, my like protective uh, uh, drugs, basically. Um, but like, you know, Roshin knows full well that he's still kicking because mm. of their like blood sympathy that makes her like, no, oh, yep. Still alive, still in Austin. Um, and he knows that she knows, and that makes him feel, again, like, absolutely awful. Um, but then, um, you know, eventually they, they reunite. One last thing before they reunite. Hmm. So, if you were to ask him, he would say that he's completely left the idea of Zoe behind. The idea of femininity in general behind. Um, like I said, he only ever dresses up anymore when it's pragmatic and instrumental. Uh, but of course he's lying, right? Because every so often he, fully embodying the old persona of Zoe, meets up with this girl called Penelope, or Pen for short, who really reminds him of Roisin during the time they spent together. And as far as Pen is aware, she just has this very sweet nighttime friendship with this trans girl named Zoe who sings at some clubs and will offer her advice about her own art. It gets a little bashful and self-deprecating sometimes, but only in between, like, kindness and affection and support. And on the surface, like, it's this really sweet relationship. There's no vampire stuff, no sex, no romance, none of the things that, like, um, Zoe feels like would have put undue expectations on this poor girl. Uh, because, like, what she wants to understand is, like, oh, if I hadn't fucked it up with Rojin... Could I have been happy? Could I have, like, held on to this hope of actually transcending vampirism and, like, having a real life? Could I have recaptured for just one moment that feeling of nervously putting on winged eyeliner for the first time? And so it's like, you know, I'm not going to put on these, uh, um, like, absurd expectations on my relationship with this poor girl. And I'm going to see if, like, the two of us can just, like, have a nice friendship that makes me happy. Um, and I'm not, gonna, like, I'm not gonna put expectations on this girl, but I am kind of low key expecting our friendship to like fix my eternal depression. The very next line of uh, my character sheet is: you can see the contradiction in that last paragraph, <laughs> right? He can't. Yeah. So, um, simultaneously, like the sweetest thing in his life, um, and also the most pathological. So, within that whole mix, uh, Rasheen stumbles in again. My child, who's been alive for ten years, and I never heard from texting me. I live, bitch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's the setup. You want to talk about me- mechanics? Let's talk about mechanics. Anything yeah. the characters do. <laughs> so, uh, Roshin. Yeah. As I said, her name is Roshin. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of their, you know, their sire and child, they're both Deva. Yep. Which is um, the sex vampire class. The sex vampire. Um, also, just like the social vampire, you know? Fetcher are also the social vampire, but in different ways. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, they are the, like, um, presence and manipulation social vampire, whereas Ventru are more like the composure manipulation. Yeah. The, the... Like, the Deva is about, like, like, kind of, like, being flashy, being enticing, like, going out there and, like, yeah. kind of, like, winning your, you know. The two of them have, like, signature disciplines for their clans, where mm-hmm. the Devas is called Majesty, and it's all about, like, 
being the glamorous center of attention, drawing people in, making them like fall in love with you, making them get obsessed with you. Mm -hmm. The Ventrues is like literally like, I'm going to do straight up mind control to you. (laughs) I'm going to give you a command and you are like compelled to obey it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's much more about like hierarchy and, and like systems of power than it is about like being the coolest person in the room. Yeah. So Rasheen is a deva. Mm -hmm. Her, her mask, her kind of like, you know, like former or like mortal when interacting with mortals persona is nurturer, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, you know, like taking care of people, building them up and, you know, like making sure they succeed. Um, Dirge is competitor. Yeah. She wants, she wants to win. Mm-hmm. She wants to win hard and she wants other people to lose. That's right. Um, you may notice the contradiction in those two terms. She, she does or she doesn't care. Um, her, her covenant is the, uh, Car- uh, the Carthian movement. Yeah. Um, as we sort of, you know, ascribe to kind of like a more egalitarian, um, in more kind of like, you know, kind of like an egalitarian vampire society count- counterculture thing. Um, for Rasheen, that's entirely just about like, um, I want to fuck with, like, we gotta, we gotta like fuck with the guys who have all the power. Yeah. Um, Cause that's unfair. <laughs> um, anyway, we gotta drag them down to our level and then kick their asses. Um, she's not like super dedicated to that. Um, as far as her attributes, um, the attributes are intelligence, wits, uh, intelligence, wits, and resolve, strength, dexterity, and stamina, and presence, manipulation, and composure. Mm-hmm. Um, Rasheen has kind of average attributes, um, across the board. Her highest two attributes are intelligence at four and manipulation at four. Um, yep. she's great, great person. Great person to know. Loving what I'm hearing. Um, her, as for her skills... Um, her mental skills are academics, occult, politics, and computer. Yeah. That's just called computer. Her <laughs> physical skills um, are athletics, brawl, and drive. Okay. Um, her social skills are empathy, expression, persuasion, socialize, and subterfuge. Uh, that is the exact same five that we have. Uh, the, the, the vampire apple does not fall far from the vampire tree. Mm-hmm. Um the uh uh you also in this kind of system have what's called specialties which are yep. like um they will add an additional dot to a skill in a specific context um yeah. so for example Rasheen's specialties are in expression for flirting yeah um in academics for sociology she's kind of broadened since she went to college mm-hmm. um uh in persuasion for guilt tripping yeah and in socialize and i wrote down music nerd um, so, like, just, you know, yeah. she can still talk a lot about music. She still likes music a lot. For sure. Um, and she can still talk a lot about that. Um, yeah, so, uh, attributes and skills for Wes. Uh, Let's yeah, go. so, uh, first off, Wes is also a deva, obviously. Um, is an, mm-hmm. uh, member of the Ordo Dracul. Mm-hmm. Um, his mask is Mentor. Um, cause I think that like he was already doing this like thing of like, you know, trying to like help younger and less established musicians even before becoming a vampire and like has slid into that, like, you know, academic mentor role, um, and still like probably like maintains like a music blog where he'll, he'll like review stuff that is like clearly inspired in some part by his work. Um, just imagining him suffering a breaking point when listening to a hundred Gex record. <laughs> um, Rasheen. By the way, yeah. loves Gex. Yeah, she loves Gex. I think I think um, I think West does too, but in a way that like causes him integrity <laughs> damage. But she'll just 
uh, Rasheen will just listen to Money Machine and be like, yeah, this fucks. <laughs> like, she, she she likes Gex. She has a really, like, shallow appreciation yeah, for it. Yeah, better get me a Money Machine. <laughs> um, and his dirge is nihilist. Um, so, like, you know, the way that these, like, masks and dirges work is that, like, you tend to, like, gain experience points when you, like, uh, when you kind of act based on them in ways that kind of fuck you over at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, like, when Wes, like, really kind of turns down a, something that, like, might actually have the potential to make him, like, have a happier and more contented life because he's just so, like, black-pilled, okay. uh, then he'll probably gain experience off of that. Yeah. Um, he's got blood potency three. Did you say how many blood potency you have? Arushin has one blood potency. Walk, walk. How many humanity? Um, uh, six? I've got five. Okay, so <laughs> neither of them doing great neither on this front. Um, also, like, pretty balanced uh, stat spreads. Um, oh, does Rasheen have any ones in stats? No. Okay. Um, Wes has a resolve of one, which, like, if you've listened to the Bitch. last hour, then it's, Bitch. like, obviously <laughs> Bitch. just an incredibly, like, weak person in a lot of ways. Um, but has four intelligence and four presence, and then has, like, uh... Three, so above average, pretty good in uh, stamina and uh, dexterity and wits and composure. Um, as far as skills, athletics, brawl, and stealth uh, for mental, academics, occult, and science with a specialization in chemistry. Mm-hmm. Those last two pretty much being like the basis of his work as the a trans breaking bad. As the, as, as the trans breaking bad, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, the exact same skill spread for um, Ezra Sheen and Social, which is Empathy, Expression, Persuasion, Socialize, and Subterfuge. Yeah, let's compare the exact numbers on that. Sure. Empathy. Okay, so let's just go down. Empathy skill. For Rasheen, it's three. Four. What the fuck? Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredibly funny. Expression. Uh, four. One. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> uh, persuasion, three. Three. Mm-hmm. Socialize, two. Two. Uh, subterfuge four. One. Bitch. <laughs> Bitch. I love this. Um, and then as far as specializations and social skills, uh, empathy, uh, emotional needs. Um, I think that like... Very is... funny specialization to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the suggested ones and it's like, it's very much just him noting like, oh, what does this person need to hear from me in this moment? Mm-hmm. Um, expression, live musical performance. Uh, persuasion is seduction. And socialize is nightclubs. Um, I love, he owns the club. I love how Wes has a specialization in in persuasion, seduction, mm-hmm. and then Rasheen has a specialization in expression, flirting. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> it's uh, a very fun system like that. Yeah, and I, I think that like the fact that we have the same like five skills in um, in the social realm, but like we've gone in such different directions with them, mm-hmm. is a testament to like. The good parts of this system. We yeah. talked a lot of shit about this system, and I stand by it, but when it sings, it's through giving you stat blocks like those. Yeah, and I think that, like comparing those two, it tells you a lot about the kind of people that they Absolutely. are and have become. Um, do you want to talk about like vampire power? Let's talk about aspirations. Oh, sure, yeah. Which is just like goals. Yeah, um, yeah. But Rasheen's aspirations are, one, become a big enough deal in Austin that nobody can screw me over. Mm-hmm. Two... Uh, find and fascinate someone singularly interesting. Okay. And three, uh, force Zoe to go along with my plans. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, so I actually didn't write down any aspirations um, because I, I felt like that would be super contingent on where they would, like, what the vibe between them when they uh, came together would be. But, like, if I had to spitball, mm-hmm. it would be something like one aspiration to, like, try to feel something real again. One aspiration to, like, make other vampires feel as shitty about themselves as I do. Um, and I think that, like, there is a genuine aspiration here to, like, make amends with Roisin and, like, um, oh, do right by her. Oh, buddy. Um, not saying that he's ever gonna, like, do anything towards that. He might think that he will. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like a, I think that, like, you know, um, Wes is someone who's, like, pretty, uh, He's, he's not, like, a malicious person. He's not, like, an actively cool person. He's just, like, incredibly morally weak and, like, allows himself to be really bad at trying to be a decent person over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, having these sympathetic aspirations and just fucking up at them mm-hmm. um, is, like, kind of emblematic of that. Yeah. Fair. Um, oh, I also wanted to do uh, Rasheen's touchstone. Because yes. you already did um, Wes's. The but... touchstone is Penelope. Yeah. Um, so Roisin's, uh, touchstone is, uh, professor, uh, professor, uh, Marsha Robinson, mm-hmm. um, who is her old advisor from college. Yeah. Um, basically, you know, when she kind of like transferred into, um, you know, when she started shifting her classes around, she also got a new advisor who was like somebody actually in the, you know, the, the old religious studies department, yeah. um, where she was. And that was professor Robinson who was kind of like, um, kind of like a you know kind of like a youngish like visibly queer in um in you know kind of like in this professor professor like career long enough to kind of be like man this sucks <laughs> yeah um not and being like, track i'm an associate what like yeah. <laughs> i do all this and i'm just an associate i'm not even a professor technically like mm-hmm. fuck this um but she was like but like you know, not, like, so jaded that, like, she didn't, like, you know, run into Rasheen and then just be kind of, like, charmed by, like, how interested she was in, like, learning all this shit and talking about stuff. And so they were pretty close as advisor and student and afterwards, like, continued to exchange, like, regular, really rambling, like, long-winded, honestly, a little flirtatious emails over yeah. the years. Um, Listen, we've all been there. No comment on that. <laughs> um, so, um, will you deny it for the record? I'm not gonna do shit for the record. Okay, you're not a cop. Interesting. You're not my mom. All right. Uh, let the record show the witness is not denying that she has sent these kinds of letters. There's no record. There is no record. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking I about. So many opportunities to say no, I didn't do that, and yet. <laughs> All right, keep going. None of them are funny enough. <laughs> None of them are funnier than the alternative. So, yeah. So, like, you know, over time, you know, like, Rasheen has basically been, like, her professor, her old professor's, like, confidant for, like, a failed tenure bid. And, like, you know, kind of, like, um, you know, things getting rough, you know, just kind of, like, things getting kind of, like, rough emotionally with her wife. And, you know, they're not in the best period right now. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like demands going up at work, pay going down. She's going to yeah. sit on all these committees that aren't even paid. Um, and then one day, you know, Rasheen will emails her and it's like, hey, I'm back in Austin. You want to get coffee? Which is such a smart thing to do when you have visibly not aged in 14 years. Um, I get, yeah, you know, <laughs> technically. Uh, also, not when you've been kind of like, 
you know, sending the kinds of emails that they've been sending for so long. Yeah, for Also, sure. maybe not the smartest to just show up and be like, hey, want to go out on something that's like, oh, sort of a date. Like, kind of. Yeah. Kind of arguably a date. Um, but neither of them are, like, catching that. Neither of them are going to catch that, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's her touchstone. That's the thing that keeps Rasheen connected to humanity. Buddy. <laughs> Buddy, do better. <laughs> no, she will not. Yeah, yeah. She's going to wreck this woman's marriage, Hannah. Oh my god. Uh, maybe intentionally, maybe not intentionally. Who can say? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, so you want to talk about, like, final mechanics? Let's talk about vampire power. Vampire power? Alright, here's what I got. Mm-hmm. Disciplines. I've got uh, two in Majesty, which is that um, Davis signature one we've mentioned. So, like, no avert mind control, but, like, can inflict conditions called, like, swooning and charmed, um, which basically, like, you know, make that person more vulnerable to, like, social roles. Mm -hmm. Um, In general, like, you know, Zoe doesn't have much, like, direct power in a fight, um, and and not even, like, direct, like, you know, social power that can stop a fight immediately. Um, But she can, like, do useful social stuff. and she has one dot in resilience, which is a uh, basically just like ups your stamina, lets you ignore damage, lets you downgrade damage from like uh, aggravated to lethal to bashing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then has a lot of dots in what are called coils of the worm, or sorry, coils. Yeah, just like uh, coils of the dragon. I think is the the general term for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has one specifically in coils of the ascendant and worm. These are, like, the Ordo Dracul disciplines that, like, let you be more um, transcending various, like, vampire weaknesses. So, um, most vampires have what's called the day sleep. They just need to, like, lie in rest every uh, day while the sun is out. Um, and if they want to ignore that, even if they're, like, you know, not taking active damage from sunlight, they have to, like, make rolls to say, like, no, I'm going to push myself to stay awake. Zoe doesn't have to do that at all. Um, she has not slept in, like, nearly a decade at this point. Um, and, uh, that means that she saves a point of Vitae every day that she would normally use to wake herself up, and instead spends that on giving herself the blush of life, which is, like, the thing that lets you kind of, like, pump blood into your skin and look, like, less of a corpse and more like a normal person. Um, that also lasts 24 hours for her instead of for one scene. So she basically always looks like a normal person. Um, she can, uh, she's not afraid of fire the way that most vampires are. And she, in fact, is insufferable about this. She'll, like, all often, like, um, bring out, like, a lighter and cigarette when talking to a vampire and just, like, casually say, like, hey, do you mind if I light up? And, like, act innocent when they're just like, what the fuck are you talking about? As a way of just being like, oh, I can do this. You can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, like only takes lethal damage from fire and can even uh, like spend Vitae to um, make herself like only take glancing damage from the sun. Um, something that she likes to do is like use uh, her various powers to be able to watch an entire sunrise. So she'll only take one lethal damage every 10 minutes. And a sunrise only lasts for, I think, like, two minutes. So she'll just, like, go out onto her balcony, watch it, and go back inside. Um, like, you know, close the blinds. Um, and that feels to her like, yeah, yeah, I'm winning. 
Um, and she's very starved for her victories. And she has one uh, dot and like a different um, kind of tree of Ordo powers, which lets her um, frenzy on purpose. Because basically like her only real trick in combat is to set both her and her opponent on fire and then frenzy on purpose and hold them down until they're dead. Um, or, like, use frenzy to say that, like, she can give a specific command to the beast, like, just basically, like, only a few words, and it'll be like, you know, get me out of here. And then, like, the beast will take over and give her, like, supernaturally empowered stats and let her just run the hell away. <laughs> and the final things that she has are just, like, her, what I call scales with the dragon, which are, like, those occult rituals that she uses to make her two vampire drugs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And the rest is merits. Yeah. Uh, Rasheen's vampire powers are incredibly boring by comparison. <laughs> um, I love these vampire powers, and I probably spent way too much. My, my, my character creation process, because like, I have more experience to play with than Olivia, because I made the sire, she made the child, but it is very much this sense of, like, you know, the classic drill candles tweet, where it's like <laughs> 15 experience points on uh, coils of the dragon help my family is dying. Uh, yeah. So Rasheen has two dots in Celerity, mm-hmm. which is um, uh, which is a kind of a vampiric discipline based on speed. Um, so it has a passive effect where it adds um, her dots in Celerity to her defense and her dodge, which are just like, you know, the two defensive stats. Um, firearms uh, attacks against her normally ignore somebody's defense uh, or dodge, but um, for a vampire with Celerity, like, they still, someone who tries to shoot a gun at you will still take a penalty, in, uh, uh, which is equal to your dots in Celerity. Um, she can also spend a, a point of Vitae to do one of the following things, which is, like, act immediately, like, take an immediate action, yep. interrupt the action of another character with a brief cool. action of her own, uh, multiply her speed by her dots in Celerity plus one, uh, so that makes her three times faster. If you're if you're playing along, um, and she can use this like sparingly to avoid detection or launch surprise attacks on people, um, she also has a single point in vigor, which is basically like celerity for strength. Yeah, it, it adds her. It, so like the passive effect is it adds you know your dots in vigor to your strength, um, and you can also make a strength plus athletics check to like jump at, like a supernaturally high. Um, uh, amount. Uh, Roisin should have hooped instead of killing people. There you go. <laughs> um, she can also, like Celerity, spend a point of Vitae to um, add her dots in Vigor as like a bonus to any kind of like weapon attack that she makes, or like <laughs> physical attack. Um, and also to lift and hur- hurl objects that normally you know you would not be able to without supernatural power. Um, so yeah, if Roisin gets in a fight, her, her, um, her strategy is to either punch the guy to death if she thinks she can win, or run the fuck away if she thinks she, that she can't. And she errs on the side of running the fuck away. Um, so those are her disciplines. There you go. There we go. Uh, merits? Are we rolling into merits? And that's the yeah. last thing? Last thing is merits. Um, I've got... What do I got here? I have three in, uh, herd which is, like, people that you can feed from without making, like, a feeding roll. Um, uh, these are all, like, on a scale from one to five. So three is, like, you know, a pretty decent-sized group of, like, devoted fans that, um, you know, Wes can just, like, be like, yeah, I'll just feed from you. Um, and then I have an Ordo Merit called Secret Society Junkie that lets me 
double up my uh, herd for status in a group, which is uh, Austin Nightlife. Um, and then I also have an Ordo Merit called Sworn that lets me double up my Ordo Dracul status for retainers. And my retainer is a uh, powerful and ambitious young uh, pharma bro executive named Theru, who I've made into a ghoul. And uh, he gives me my supply chain. Um, he, like, you know, funnels resources to me. Like, you know, Wes is, like, technically, like, on the payroll of this, like, Dallas biochem company um, as, like, you know, senior chemist Wesley Hu, who re- works remotely from his home in Austin, um, and just, like, uses that as, like, a way to, like, get these raw materials that are necessary for the um, for the two vampire drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I got for merits. Yeah, so, um, as far as merits, um, uh, Rasheen has one dot in clan status, which doesn't really do anything. It's a prerequisite for another merit that she wanted to take. Uh, but fictionally, it means that, like, she's recognized by um, other vampires in her clan as, like, a known name. Like, not, like, she's not, like, famous necessarily. She's not esteemed necessarily. But it's like, yeah, people have heard of her. They're like, oh, yeah, you. Uh-huh. Um, she has a merit called Fast Talking, in which she has three dots, <laughs> which is just, like, each dot adds a different, like, little social thing. Like a social move you can do, basically. Yeah. Um, her social moves that she got from these are uh, always be closing, um, God. <laughs> which vampires uh, are fucking unbearable. Yeah, um, which is when someone resists uh, your like social interaction, you apply a minus one die penalty to them trying to do that. Um, she has another skill called jargon, um, which lets her apply one relevant specialty to any social rule that she makes, even if the specialty isn't tied directly to the skill in use. Um, so she normally does that either for her kind of, like, sociological knowledge or her, um, or her, uh, flirting knowledge or her kind of music nerd knowledge to either just kind of, like, spew shit at people or to just kind of, like, flirt with them to get what she wants, uh, but not really, like, mean it, you know? Just kind of, like, throwing a few things there, here and there. Um, and then her final kind of, like, skill in this merit is Devil's Advocacy, which allows her to re-roll one failed subterfuge roll per scene. Pretty cool. Um, so yeah, she's a liar and a cheat. Um, a very funny merit. She also has three dots in herd. Okay. Um, again, vampiric apple, vampiric tree. Yep. Um, but for Rasheen, this is, these are kind of like um, other kind of like music scene people. Yeah. As she uh, and slash like college kids, as she's come back and kind of like put herself in that in those like social circles and like quickly become kind of like talk of the town. You know, like yeah. Like, everybody knows her, everybody likes her, kind of, and so, you know, uh, she preys on people, because she's a great person. For sure. Um, She has two dots in the Merit Library uh, for academics, which lets her add those dots to any extended uh, role involving the academic skill, um, which is both kind of like, and I'm representing that as both kind of like books uh, not, well, well PDFs, basically, because she travels every few years, but she has this kind of, like, extensive library and also literally access to the college library um, so that she can always use, you know, if she has the time and needs to, like, answer an academic question, she's just got those, she's just got those extra resources for that. Um, and then her final merit, the one I like the most, is called Lineage, um, which basically says, like, it's it's one dot only, uh, but it says once per chapter, that one dot can represent a single point of the merit's 
allies, contacts, mentors, resources, or status, uh, with the catch being that it has to be tied to something that the character Sire has or at one point had. Uh-oh. Um, so basically, <laughs> so basically, Rasheen is constantly tramping around Austin just being like, uh, Have you heard of Wes? <laughs> Have you heard of Wes? You mentioned um, Wes's Google. I think definitely if Rasheen needs some like chemicals or shit, she's going to hit him up yeah. and be like, listen, Wes told, like, look, yeah. this is coming from Wes, but get me this, get me this. And he's like, what? Yeah. She starts fast talking him. And, and Theroux is like, definitely feeling like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, I can't necessarily like, I feel like Wes would be really pissed if I like challenged and like <laughs> asked him about this. I better just do it. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely, um, she's definitely kind of like got uh, Thoreau really like brown brow beaten basically and just go. like you know she says jump he goes uh, how high ma'am yeah <laughs> and she's like very high <laughs> um so yeah those are her those are her merits very cool yeah um is there anything else we want to like say before we get into our final questions like what actually do we want to talk about like what actually happens when they end up in the same city or do we just want to kind of, like, leave that ambiguous except for what we detail with the final questions? I'm willing to leave it ambiguous. I basically cool. just en- envision it as, like, you know, Rasheen kind of, like, trying to, like, stake out a claim and in the city, get some kind of status, and specifically to get a status higher than, than Wes. Yeah. Um, in order to lord it over him and be like, I win, bitch. <laughs> um. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, Wes has this, like, attitude or, like, you know... Very quickly, again, I think Zoe at this point, mm-hmm. um, like, I, I think that she, like, very quickly, like, returns to the feminine presentation um, and, like, has, th- like, two things on her mind, which are, number one, like, feeling like she really missed Rasheen and feeling like she she's, like, glad to have her back and, like, she wants to make amends. Um, and then also feeling like, yeah, like, let's fuck up every other vampire in the city. And I think that, like, makes her a very useful, like, resource for Roisin, um and, and, and her, like, rapid social climb. Mm-hmm. Where, but it's like, you know, Roisin is kind of approaching this from a perspective of, like, yeah, I want to be, like, at the top of the heap, and especially, like, higher on the heap than Zoe. Whereas, like, Zoe is like, yeah, I want to burn some bridges. It actively pisses me off that I have these bridges, and they're <laughs> so damn fire-resistant, but, like, Maybe with the help of Rashid, I can finally, like, you know, light him up. What a great dynamic that's healthy. We love them. And, and works. We love and, them so much. And um, is great and not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to do some questions? Yeah. You want to go first or me? Uh, I'm going to go first. Go for it. Because my serious question is kind of a... Well, both of mine are kind of concerned with the past, right? So basically... Yeah. Um, the serious question is, you know, kind of like during the 10 year period, you know, like vampires talk and kind of stories get around. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking so that during the 10 year period, basically, Zoe catches wind of like, you know, this story of like Rasheen getting up to some like awful shit in some East Coast city. Yeah. Um, what was the story? I think that like it's um, the way I'm seeing it. There's this like local vampire that was like really. I, I hesitate to use the word beloved because, like, our vampires really capable of that. But someone who is like very well liked and respected, and and seen as like kind of a pillar of this vampiric community, who like very quickly like kind of came under Roshin's sway and was like encouraged to do more and more, like you know, um, kind of like rocking the boat stuff to like satisfy you know Roshin's urge to like win every social interaction and. She definitely had a sense of like, well, now that I got like this local pillar of the community on my side, I can really throw my weight around. 
And that, like, worked for a while, but, like, more and more it just, like, really put strains on this person's relationship with the, the local, like, vampire community. And eventually, like, you know, Roisin was able to get away scot-free, but I think that, like, this, this like, other vampire who had just, like, a year ago been, like, really publicly beloved um, was, like, made a very public example of um, because, like, he had been, you know, pushed into more and more situations of, like, going against the will of the prince, going against, like, vampire law. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, like, hearing that definitely makes Zoe feel like, oh, do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Because <laughs> I don't even think that, like, Rasheen is necessarily, like, I think that Zoe might assume that Rasheen is, like, there to do that to her as well mm-hmm. but I don't think that that's necessarily even what Roisin is going for it's like no. well I can use you as a tool but I'm not trying to like ruin you like it'll be I'm fine with you being like you know at status 3 if I can be at status 4 yeah and you know that you're at status 3 exactly. and that I'm at status 4 if anything I think Roisin needs Zoe like alive and, and healthy so that she can continue to like once she gets that win, that she can continue to drive it in at every opportunity. Which, of course, makes Zoe's death drive just, like, the, the perfect complication for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so then the silly question. Yes. My thinking is that while they were together, Rasheen made exactly one terrible electronic album. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, I think that Rasheen would describe the album as very dark and cerebral. Um <laughs> I think that, like, her sense of this um, would be very much inflected by, like, her trying to, like, ape what she likes about um, Zoe's music, which includes, like, some of the bad music that she made. Um, And so I think that, like, you know, Zoe has this, like, very kind of, like, referential and, like, inspired by, um, like, uh, um bent to her music and like you know she had this concept album that is based on this Abel Ferrara film and like her musical identity um if people are like aware of like the history of electronic music it'll be no surprise that like is very heavily based on the English uh, musician Burial um and Burial has a song on his like debut album or I think like his second album the one that like everyone knows about um that is just called Near Dark which is another vampire film and so, like, I think that that mentality is there in Zoe's music, but she, like, can at least be a little, like, oblique about it. I think that Roisin's One Terrible Electronic Album will have just, like, these, like, 30-second, like, block quotes from movies, or it's just, like, a character from, you know, this, like, awful, like, gothy neo-noir movie just going on this monologue over, like, the spooky beats. Um, <laughs> and I think that that's the general vibe of it, where it's just, like, it... Um, as certain people might say, it insists on itself. Yeah, it's just trying way too hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that Zoe, like, wasn't trying hard, but, like, Rasheen trying way too hard. Zoe's here, Rasheen's, like, up here. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, full, um, full, like, confessional mode. Uh, in high school, I was part of, like, a musical duo that did, in fact have a song where there was just like 30 seconds worth of quotes of the interview with a vampire movie hell yeah <laughs> fuck yeah yeah fun fact about uh interview the interview with a vampire movie mm-hmm. did you know that in who's lestat in that movie is it uh, I never remember which one is Brad and which one is Tom because I, I only I saw I like think, 15 years ago I think it's Brad Pitt let's just okay, interview yeah. with a vampire. 
is Tom Cruise as the stock. Um, I think they're on Tom Cruise. I think they're on Tom Cruise. There is a quote from Anne Rice about this movie, which is that, like, she liked Tom Cruise in the role because she could imagine herself as Tom Cruise. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Buddy. (laughs) Buddy. Uh, There is also a scene in one of the... um, uh, in, in the vampire Lestat, where Lestat's mother tells Lestat that she's so proud of him because she sees him as the like masculinity uh, that she could never express, but like turned into a person whose accomplishments that she could see and be proud of. Authors need to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Not us, though. We're very mature. <laughs> okay. Yeah. My questions. Yeah. Um. Actually, before this, uh, I just want to ask like one quick question about like the vibe between them it's sure. not capturing these two um when they uh are in the same city again do you think that roshin uh at any point catches feelings again for zoe i think she has to right like immediately yeah um because i don't think that stops her from yeah. like having this plan but like no because it's no fun if she doesn't catch no. feelings but <laughs> but um, i think they both catch feelings for each other very quickly while like having these, like, mutually contradictory goals that are both extremely pathological. Of having this, like, um, I think it's definitely a thing where, like, you know, Rasheen is, like, um, you know, like, all right, bitch, let's go do this thing. Like, come on. And, like, I'm, like, I'm, like, pressuring you into doing this. And Zoe being kind of, like, oh, no, I'm being pressured into doing this. But, like, clearly they're fucking enjoying themselves. And, like, anyone who can see that relationship from the outside is, like, <laughs> these two horny these two fucking sex nerds <laughs> are just like yeah they're you know like pretending to bully each other into like teaming up but you know they actually do want to team up all right here's my serious question okay what happens when Rasheen finds about uh, finds out about pen how do the people involved in general react so i think um, you know, kind of, like, on finding this out and, like, realizing this whole deal, I think Rasheen's reaction is probably, like, a delighted, like, that's psychotic. Oh my god. <laughs> like, um, uh, because it is a very weird thing to do. Oh, it's super weird. Um, and I... It's, it's like, um, it's practice kissing in your room when you're a kid, but, like, you're a grown-ass adult and it's a real person. Yeah. Um, and so I think Rasheen looks at it as, like, this terribly, like, delicious weakness that she could exploit. Mm-hmm. Um, which she never really does, but I think she does try to make Zoe squirm by, um, meeting Penelope and then immediately hitting it off. You know? Like, I think she just wants to, like... No. <laughs> she wants to, like... like um, Pen- Penelope, by the way, looks, like, very strikingly similar to, like, what Roisin looked like yeah. ten years ago. Yes. And so I want... I want base... Like, you know, she's working up to this move where, like, um... You know, um... You know, uh... Zoe and Penelope are gonna meet up, and she wants Penelope to be like, hey, can I bring my friend, by the way? And then... Shut the fuck up! And then the friend of Hiroshin and go like, whoa! Hey! This is so crazy! There is so much psychology in this episode. (laughs) I can't believe you know Penelope! That's so weird! Yeah. And then, yeah, and so then, obviously the whole time she's left Penelope like, oh, me and Zoe go way back, like... 
oh man and just a lot <laughs> of like, like it's like go way back question mark like you guys appear to be like in your <laughs> early 20s yeah and so basically like you know Rasheen does a lot of like um she's like oh this is my like we this is like this is always weakness this is my trump card i'm gonna exploit this mm-hmm. and mostly what she does is just like try to set herself up with penelope as like i'm better than you like we're friends but i'm better than you Oh I have God. what you'll never have, and you can never get it, because I have it. And so it's mostly just her being kind of a bitch in order to um, kind of, like, mess with Penelope, who I don't know how Penelope would, like, take that. Um, yeah. She sounds like a sweetheart, mm-hmm. like, actually. Yeah. So I don't know if she actually picks up on any of these vibes, but, um, you know, she's, like, mostly just in there to be a bitch to, like, make Zoe and Penelope both uncomfortable. <laughs> Fucking love it. Okay. My silly question. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the, like, preparation process for this, um, you borrowed one of my catchphrases many times and would point at pictures of Zoe and say, there is still good in her. Um, which I will do for uh, any pretty girl, but um, pointedly have not done for Zoe. Um, but you, in your insistence, uh, I'd like to ask here, exactly what good is there in Zoe? She wants to make amends. Is she going to? Is that is that good, though? I think that's good. Some people don't want to make amends. Okay. Some people don't want to make anything right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to scroll up and show you a picture of a girl who doesn't want to make everything right. Let's take a look. Oh, fuck, it's Rasheen. Oh, fuck, there she is. <laughs> there she is. There she is. That's a girl who doesn't want to make anything right. Okay, yeah. I'm I saying, can buy that. I'm saying, okay. Some people are very fond of saying intentions don't matter. Mm-hmm. I think intentions don't matter for very much. Yeah. But they do matter. Sure. There's a difference between somebody who says, like, I who knows they fucked up, who kind of wants to make things better, even if they don't know how and they're not capable of, of doing it. Yeah. Um, there's a difference between that and the person who doesn't know, doesn't care, and won't ever raise a finger, even mentally, to, yeah. to try to make those amends. That's... I answered your silly question very seriously, but I think... I think that counts for something. Uh, I can buy that. I can buy that. I would have also accepted as an answer if she's physically attractive. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. Look, <laughs> that's the whole fucking point. <laughs> that's not good. That's the whole fucking point, is that I will simply just, like, be be so smitten with, like, any halfway attractive girl that I'll just be like, okay, I'm pretty sure that's morals that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> uh, cool. Oh. All right, do you want to put these guys to bed? Put them in a little coffin. Put them in their little matching coffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's just about everything. Hell yeah. Um, I had a great time with this episode. I also had a great time with this episode. All right. We're not going to get this mean and sexual again for a little while, so I don't I don't feel like it was that sexual. It was a little sexual, but yeah, well, mostly it's implied. Mean. It's implied. Mostly mean. It's implied. Oh, so, something that like that we had talked about is that um, Rasheen is the kind of person who wouldn't refer to Zoe as my girlfriend, but rather as my dom because yeah. she thinks it sounds cooler. Yeah, she would do that. Yeah, um, I think that they they definitely do a lot of like not necessarily like public kink, but a lot of like public making it obvious that they do kink. Yeah, like you. They're sex nerds. Yeah, you've probably never seen them do the things that they do. But Mm -hmm. if you know them, you know. Yeah. There's definitely, like, at least one person who 
that you know there's probably tons of vampires who were around 10 years ago but there's probably at least one who looks at their modern dynamic and is like okay so did it did it did flip it like what yeah. <laughs> what's happening there what is happening there just they're both the most like obvious people in the world and also like hopelessly confusing to anyone who's trying to read them yeah so there's definitely at least one person who's like just curious. Like, yeah. just, I want to know. Just, what is your fucking deal? It's, like, weird to ask, but I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, with that quota, we got in sexual in addition to the mean that we got earlier. So, mean is the most sexual episode yet, as promised. Cool. We yeah. about done? I think we're about done. Hell yeah. Where can we find you online? Oh, you can find me online on Twitter, at Great Green. Kind of bird. At Great Greed, which is a type of bird. Yes. We're pushing each other. <laughs> <in the cat. laughs> um, yeah, you, you can find a link to all my other podcasts. Um, I guess there's really only two. Attention Duelist, it's the Yu-Gi-Oh! Rewatch podcast. And Novel Not New, which is the, um, which is the like v- visual novels and narrative games. If you like vampires, you can actually go look up the Novel Not New episode for Vampire the Masquerade Night Road which is a uh, vampire text adventure that uh, we played for, for the episode. And you can find me online at Hannah Yola. That's spelled Y-O-L-E-A-U on the second part. And this is the only podcast that I do right now. So shit out of luck if you want to find more. Yeah. Cool. All right, cool. That is almost three hours oh my God. of this shit. Yeah. All right, until next time, stay mean and sexual. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye.